2: Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, Jake. I thought your credential might have been left at home
3: again. You know, I've got to find it, actually. It's in my bag somewhere here. No, I stopped at the gas station um, like five minutes ago, and it was one of those, <laughs> like, guy in front of me's card was declined, and, and I'm like, okay, do I bail here, or, like, what do I do? Uh, but I, I figured I would make it on time.
2: So beautiful, here I am. beautiful Wednesday morning it here. The first practice, morning. no wasted energy from Jay Query. He walks in the tent at about six fifty nine and forty five seconds. But we're ready to go. The mowers are out. The rooster is crowing. The rooster's always, up, man. I always worry about the rooster. Can we get some throat lozenges for the rooster? I, you know, I'm curious about this. Maybe somebody who's a a,
3: a foul farmer can fill me in on this. That's kind of a stereotype about roosters, right? But there's a rooster that lives right here on the farmland that butts up against Grand Park, and every time I've ever been out here in the morning, he is, in fact, what do you call it, crowing? Crowing, cock- yeah. Uh-huh. cock a doodle doing in the morning. Now, do they do that, like, all day when they're awake, and so you just notice it in the morning, or is it literally like a mating call and or a feed-me call in the morning that all roosters do?
2: Yeah, maybe a little morning action that the rooster's looking it, for here to I get mean, through hump day. I,
3: okay. Okay.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's a great – maybe we can ask that you – know, Shane Steichen meets the media for the first practice, and I think Anthony Richardson, Gardner Minshew as well. Maybe we can toss that their way. Again, good Wednesday morning to you, 10 a.m. The first practice will get underway here at Grand Park. This is your
3: Christmas, isn't it?
2: You know, it's um, it's an exciting professional time for me. I'm not going to act like, you know, your month of May. Christmas and, you know, kids' birthdays and just spending time with the family on vacation, et cetera. Obviously, those are things that I probably enjoy a little bit more than work, but I certainly love what I do, and, you know, I do appreciate the fact that now we start to get some answers. I mean, we've been talking about these questions endlessly for the last... You know, X amount of months, and now, again, you you start to get some answers on some of these things. They aren't going to happen maybe as quickly as others would would like. That's part of professional sports, but I do feel, and I'm curious if you feel this as well, Jake, I do think there is an anticipation and an intrigue from the fan base that hasn't been there in quite some time.
3: Yeah, I think any time that you have a changing of the guard, here's the thing, Kevin. You know, we have known... For the last couple of years basically who the quarterback was going to be for the Colts but this is the first time that it's been a complete tear off of the of the the calendar and a fresh start Carson Wentz would be the closest but we knew who Carson Wentz was in other words we had seen Carson Wentz as an NFL player so there wasn't as much intrigue about him now obviously how he was going to mesh in here and was he going to be the franchise guy we ended up getting that answer right and it didn't work out but um, whenever you have a young quarterback like that, for the obvious reasons, yeah, there's a whole different – that changes everything about your franchise. You know, you look at some franchises like like the Chargers. I'm sure you saw the news. Justin Herbert gets an extension for five years, $262 million. So that changes completely the pressures on Justin Herbert, if you will. But the first stage of that for any quarterback is getting the keys handed over to you and finding out what you can do. And, and here we are. And it's going to be a while, but it's better than just simply talking about it.
2: You know, when you think about the last time fans watched the Colts, uh, your head coach was a dude that you pulled off TV. Um, Your quarterback was a depreciating asset and a guy that probably could throw the ball from me to you on that end. And then – You look at now where you're at, and you've gotten a modern head coach, one that certainly comes from um, a a recent background with tremendous quarterback success and a variety of quarterbacks in that. And again, you have a quarterback that, to your point, it's going to take some time, but he is a guy that you would think You is more of an ascending thing versus the last few quarterbacks that you had. It was, how much is left in the tank? And, you know, again, it's a depreciating asset at a position where you're just holding on for, you know, hope there. And so I think that is why you do see this intrigue, why you see a Friday practice sold out, why you see a Saturday practice sold out. Um, The Colts did not have that in recent years. But
3: in typical Colts fashion, Kevin, uh in the fashion of any team in the nfl really they they start the year with a question mark
2: right uh yeah dial up you a little bit more here on,
3: on how do i there we go do on, i do that, on that sorry end. uh in typical colts fashion or typical fashion of any nfl team kevin the the colts begin the season with a huge question mark and i don't know that yesterday did you anticipate that that coming out about jonathan taylor
2: um, I, I did not because just when we sat in the media room, well, I guess two things. One, we heard from Jim Irsay a few weeks ago, and Jim Irsay said that Jonathan Taylor's healed up. Now, you know, Ursay's words, I guess, they always have to be taken with a bit of a grain of salt. Um, but when Chris Bauer met with us at, at noon, and he did throw in the caveat of he hadn't spoken yet with Jonathan Taylor, there were still several players that needed to go through their, their physical process and, you know, still be uh, medically cleared to go, He did not mention him as one of the guys that were going to go on the physically unable to perform list. It was Taekwondo Lewis and it was a rookie tight end, Will Mallory. um, I did think.
3: Mallory's a foot issue, right?
2: Yeah. um, I did think it was odd. And, And we didn't touch on this a whole lot because we had Ryan Kelly, who, for those that missed it, I thought the Ryan Kelly interview. You know, and obviously I'm a little biased here. I thought the Ryan Kelly interview was one of the better player interviews we've had in the two years that we've done this show. I thought he was extremely candid. I thought he shared some things with us that he hasn't um, before, not not only on the field, but certainly off the field. So I encourage people out there that missed it to end the show to go back and check that out on the podcast. But as we were doing that interview, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, Adam Schefter, you know, enemy, if you will, uh, he tweeted out that, And I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but there were some questions on if Jonathan Taylor would report to training camp. Right. Now, a few minutes later, the Colts sent out a tweet of a picture of Taylor walking into Grand Park for training camp. I found it a little bit interesting, Jake. As the day moved along, Jonathan Taylor, who is not a frequent liker of tweets, did find his way into some tweets and liked one from a fan. That had responded to said picture and said, JT's face looks like, and the meme of Marshawn Lynch of I'm here so I don't get fined, was the picture. Right. That was a like from Jonathan Taylor. Stephen Holder's going to join us in a bit, Jake. It's something, it, it smells a little fishy here. It, it just does. And I know with Jonathan Taylor, I, I would never use that word. I almost find myself hesitant and reluctant to say that. But it just—it's not all adding up.
3: So, in other words, let me let me let me throw this at you, and you tell me if I'm playing Perry Mason too much here. Okay, I—I don't think this is necessarily the case, Kevin. But I'm going to present it simply to present all angles. Jonathan Taylor and the Colts come to a stalemate in terms of the contract negotiations. And Jonathan Taylor says, you know what, maybe I'll hold out then. And the Colts say, oh, okay. And then he shows up and the Colts say, you know what, actually we think your ankle needs more time to heal, so we're going to hold you out of practice. Like, you want to hold out, we'll hold you out. I don't think that's the case, but is there any chance that's a possibility? I
2: don't know what the Colts gain from that. Yeah, I don't don't follow what the Colts would be gaining by – um, him out
3: forcing him to you know, look, kind of like a, a, a hey if you, if that's the game you want to play then we'll play that and we'll see how long you want to sit on the sidelines
2: why wouldn't Ballard have mentioned that yesterday that he would be on the pup list then
3: um, I don't know that I trust anything Ballard says I mean, he's usually pretty transparent, but he doesn't owe it to, to everybody uh, to be up front with something because it's a contractual issue, not a physical issue. If that's the case, like, I don't think Chris Ballard owes it when it comes to contractual stuff to be that transparent. Yeah. So I'm I, saying I, that in defense of Chris Ballard, but. Yeah,
2: I think that's. Uh, I, but in other words, so. It? Had conspiracy theorists on yeah, the whole side.
3: Well, of it. but what I'm saying is, though, then, then, so if he's, so Jonathan Taylor's only here so he doesn't get fined, right?
2: Correct. Okay, so, it, it, so did Jonathan? A little bit like a Kenny Moore situation from last spring. And, and I think you have to remember this.
3: But when you say, so let me ask you this. When you say it smells fishy, in what
2: regard? And that Jonathan Taylor is semi holding in. Not holding out because he's here. He doesn't want to be fined, what is it, 50000 a day if he were to hold out considering he's still under contract. And, and the reason that I say that. Is you got to remember, Jonathan Taylor changed agents a few months ago. Jonathan Taylor is represented by Shaquille Leonard's agent. And when you think back to a couple off-seasons ago when Shaquille Leonard signed his extension, Shaquille Leonard missed the first couple of weeks of camp. And I think there were some questions on why he was sitting out, the magnitude of his injury, and the timing of it all. Once he put pen to paper on that extension, sure enough, Shaquille Leonard was back to practice pretty quickly thereafter. So is that what we're seeing with Taylor? Because remember Taylor last year with his ankle issue. How many times did we get to Friday before games and it was like, oh, yeah, Taylor looks good. Right, right. And then all of a sudden Taylor kind of was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to pull the reins back on myself. Is this another of those situations? And is Taylor trying to carry the running back flag here? Uh, I'll be very curious to see if Taylor talks to the media after practice today. There were some whispers that, you know, possibly he would. Um, But again, with him on the pup list, it's not like he has to by any means. Um, but this is a very, very compelling story. And again, for a player like Taylor, who is not the most vocal in the world, is not the most demonstrative, He's not a, I wouldn't label him as a diva by any means, this is why it kind of adds to the awkwardness of it all. Now, I know there's several players But if you're, if you're
3: Taylor, isn't it in your best interest to be on the field immediately?
2: Well, I, I think if you're a little bit banged up, you'd be a little worried about that and you don't want to re-aggravate something or all of a sudden delay this. And that goes back to Taylor's hesitancy last year, I think, about playing in some of those games late in the season when, you know, to be fair, it's not like you were playing for a whole lot team-wise.
3: Okay, let me tell you a guy that that I saw yesterday. Yesterday I had a moment, Kevin, where I thought to myself, what a difference a year makes, okay? I mentioned this to JMV, but you tell me if you agree with this. A year ago, we were here, and Kenny Moore was the big question mark, right? Kenny Moore wanted an extension, and, you know, was Kenny Moore going to hold out? And if you recall, we get here, and Kenny Moore is over, like, hanging out with the Indy 11 players, and I think he was wearing, like, a fuel jersey or one of the, you know, it was like, man, what a, what a great dude, just like... Here's a guy that's completely embraced Indianapolis and he's supporting all the local teams and he's over like talking to the soccer players and clearly a nice guy. And they just they need to get this guy paid. He had a great year. He was the the team was elated on hard knocks when he got announced as as an all pro or a pro bowler or whatever it was. And you know, he was the underdog story, and gosh, what a great story. And then yesterday, a year later, He walks in, he's wearing sunglasses, he's wearing some soccer shorts that are made to look like Louis Vuitton shorts, they weren't, but I mean, they're probably expensive. He holds court, he was super cool, don't get me wrong, and I appreciated everything he said, and he was pretty candid. But he had an aura about him yesterday of like, yeah, I probably handled that wrong last year, and things didn't really go my way, and, you know, I had to get used to some changes, and there were some things that were – I just wasn't comfortable, and I got to reassess that, and I got to – you know, I got to I got to become a better player. And it was a combination of like a little bit more humble, Kenny Moore, but also like a swagger about him that like the the underdog chip kind of went away to now where he looked like a guy that he knows a, a lot that's riding on the line and he's almost overcompensatory in his in his exuded confidence.
2: Um, I, I didn't notice that much of a difference in him than how he spoke at the end of the year or in the spring. I think that's kind of how... All but I'm
3: talking about from a year ago. How I'm, talking about, wired. I'm talking about before the year went in where he basically, I'm not going to say held out, but threatened to hold out and then had a disastrous year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he has some regret uh, over how last year handed. I, I, I said this at the time last spring, and I actually was talking with Matt Taylor about it yesterday. Kenny Moore, if I had to make a list of good Colts players that would be the worst at holding out, it'd be Kenny Moore. That, that, that's not how he's wired. He's an undrafted free agent from Valdosta State. Those dudes don't hold out. Right. I mean, those are guys that have to earn everything. Well, that's what that I mean. They, like, like they get to. So then he gets to a point where his agent's like, hey man, you should probably do this. We think we can get some more money. And Kenny is not Terrell Owens on the driveway doing sit-ups with Drew Rosenhaus standing right there. Like that that's just not how Kenny is wired. Um, and I think you know, to your point, I think he's been, you know, pretty candid of him making mistakes and him having to have some serious conversations with Gus Bradley in the offseason, Chris Ballard in the off season. And this is a huge year. You know, Kenny always has kind of had a little bit of, I mean, you know, he did the entrance with Pato Award a couple years ago. He's always had a little bit of that, you know, outward cornerback confidence as well of um, while he has certainly earned a a whole lot in getting to this level in the NFL, um, there is a guy that wants to be paid for the respect that he feels like he deserves. And I think that's what a little bit of that was. I,
3: I, I thought it was interesting, though, that he basically admitted like, yeah, I pretty much sucked last year.
2: Oh, yeah. No, he's been very honest about how poor he played last season, and the numbers certainly back that up. Again, good Wednesday morning to you. We are live here at Grand Park, first practice at 10 a.m. for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Shane Steichen will meet the media afterwards, certainly on today's show. A whole lot of Chris Ballard reaction from yesterday. We'll play some Ballard Clips. Um, I thought in a way, Jake, when you have the Jonathan Taylor news come out around whatever it was, 5 o'clock yesterday, it kind of overshadowed probably the biggest positive from yesterday. And that was Shaquille Leonard will not open up camp on the physically unable to perform list. He has passed his physical. Um, He will slowly ramp things up in a practice setting. Um, But there is no denying that Shaquille Leonard on July 26, 2023 is in a better spot than he was July 26, 2022, and for several reasons. One, he enters camp with his most recent surgery being nine months ago, whereas last year his most recent surgery was a month and a half ago. Uh, Last year, he spent an entire month on uh, on the Pup List. He never got on the practice field here at Grand Park. He stayed on that Pup List for several weeks once they got back to their team facility, and now... Uh, he will be practicing in a limited, limited capacity early on. Again, they will be very thorough and very slow in this process. Uh, but I think a lot of people would have taken the. He will be on the pup list.
3: Yeah, can you? Ima- I mean, that was. Can you imagine? He is not. If if he had started on the pup list, the it just would have been. You know, here we go again, right?
2: Right, 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 right. And here I know we go a lot again. of people.
3: And wait. I mean, and Jonathan Taylor's on, a, the that Jonathan Taylor's on, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, he could go off that on Friday.
2: Oh yeah, he, I mean, hell, he'd come off in, in an hour. Right. And I know there are some reports out there that you know, indicate that Taylor's stay on that list, won't be too, too long. Again, I would love to hear from Taylor. I, I think he's the one in the situation that needs to try and provide some clarity on what his goals are right now. It's amazing how they maneuver that lawnmower like that. <laughs> I mean that parallel parking. Well, here's I, wish I could do that. At the here's
3: end the, of the other scene. question: What is he? Is he mowing? He's not yeah. mowing, right? Is he just like drying the field? What is he doing?
2: Oh, I, I think you're fine-tuning. It doesn't need to be mowed. A little mowing lines here. You want these fields looking in pristine condition? Well, they look pretty pristine to me. I don't remember the painted end zone yesterday. Now we got it right. Yeah. You stencil that after after the show.
3: They've got everything going on out there.
2: Uh, to get back to the Taylor comments for a second. I thought from Chris Ballard yesterday we had more public love for Michael Pittman than we had Jonathan Taylor. I thought from Ballard yesterday for the first time I smelled a little bit of Chris Ballard speaking to Jonathan Taylor's agents. And I can't recall a time that Ballard has done that in any of these pending contract extension talks. He certainly offered a lot of praise for Taylor and he uttered that phrase that I know frustrates a whole lot of Colts fans and honestly it's one that I disagree with Of regardless of you know, where the player plays if he's a good player you pay that guy Right. but he also on several occasions went out of his way to mention we've got a new coaching staff We've got to evaluate everybody. We were a 4-12-1, and, 12 and one, whatever the record was last year, football team. Um, we've got a lot to kind of go through and play out. And yet when he talked about Pittman, the guy that hasn't achieved the same sort of individual production that Taylor has, he, he didn't go there.
3: He has to realize that Pittman's a critically important piece for him, right?
2: Certainly. And I, I would make the argument that I think Pittman is more critical to Anthony Richardson moving forward than Jonathan Taylor is. Um, but I, I just thought the Ballard comments, and I'm looking forward to chatting with Stephen Holder who's going to join us because I know Stephen has been all over this Taylor story. I know he's got some some thoughts on it. He's going to join us coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. But I just kind of walked away from yesterday thinking, man, for the first time, I feel like Ballard again w- was – I don't know if he was trying to create some leverage, but he was talking a little bit more to Taylor's agency than the vibe I got from Michael Pittman.
3: Yeah, I, you know, the – Here's the thing I've always felt about GMs in any sport, Kevin. And I'm not saying that it's... I think Kevin Pritchard's kind of learned this. But I think when it comes to being a general manager, just being completely up front in the end, and it takes a while, and that's the challenge, right? Is this is one of those things that you have to be in the position a while to, to earn kind of the right or the benefit of the doubt to be this way. But I think a general manager's best approach at all times is to be as totally upfront and honest with players and agents as possible and not try to play chess. And when you start playing chess, I think it starts to hurt you because I think agents and players sniff that out. And... I don't know that that's what Chris Ballard's doing by any stretch, but if he... If Chris Ballard knows that he's not going to re-sign Jonathan Taylor, I don't know that he knows that. If he thinks that, or if he suspects that, or if he's exploring that, I think he needs to be up front and say, listen, here's where we are. This is, this is what I see in our future. Or, you know, hey, this is the challenge that I have, or whatever. I just think you need to be totally transparent, and in the end, I think players respect that. I think when you start and Again, I'm not saying this is what Chris Ballard is doing, but I, I, underst- I would understand it, why this would, why you would think it this way if you were a GM. But I just think it's a dangerous way to do it. Of not mental games, but trying to, to posture it or position it to get the most out of the player without having to resign him. Like, I just think you've got to be transparent and up front. And it may not work out with that player, but in the long run, it pays
2: dividends. It's really fascinating to me when you think back to Taylor's comments at the end of the spring, which is the last time we've heard from him in kind of a public setting. He mentioned that he wanted to retire as a Colt. Right. And And, and he was very public about that. And again, yesterday – walking away from Chris Ballard's media session. And we heard from Michael Pittman yesterday. Michael Pittman continues to play it extremely close to the vest. I'll let it play out. Whatever happens, happens. I'm not going to get into that. That's stuff for my agent. You know, says all of that. Yet you walk away from listening to Ballard yesterday, and the guy that has publicly said he wants to retire as a Colt, you... In my opinion, you've kind of tempered a little bit of a public stance on him, whereas the guy that has said, yeah, I'm good, you know, we'll just play it out, see what happens, that guy you continue to show. And Ballard's always been this way with, with Pittman. He has always said that he absolutely loves him, what he stands for, what he brings, certainly loves his work ethic. I've mentioned this about Pittman before. I think you watch him play on the field. Like, I don't see any USC pretty boy from Michael Pittman when when he's out there on the field. I mean, he's – And and Ballard loves that.
3: And I think, he, you know, he lives here all year round, doesn't he? He's at pastry games all winter long. So Pittman's got to be – I mean, I think it, it is funny, isn't it? Like, Pittman does not seem like L.A. glitz and glamour guy at all. Not
2: at all. No, not at all. He certainly, you know, you could tell he's been instilled with some work ethic. Of You know, his dad was, what, a 10-year, 11-year guy in the NFL. So some very interesting comments from Chris Ballard yesterday. We will, again, play some audio on that front. 10 a.m. today, the first practice. I think I saw like 82 degrees when practice gets underway. So 99 not, high today, right? Or is that tomorrow? Not too awful. Um, again, the most unreliable app in the history of apps, the weather app I just pulled out. No,
3: you need the, you need the rain aware. That's what you need.
2: Rain Does that cost money?
3: It might. I, do you get – are you like me where like – every three weeks you get something like your Apple
2: receipt and it's like what is this? Yeah I do get like a 99 cent thing once a month I'm like is that worth like, a ap- a ha- like half the apps that I'm that I?" I'm like wait a minute what? I'm uh, paying for 90- that? Where
3: is 499. There you
4: a go. a month? I don't know this is $5 I don't know God, that seems a little
3: pricey. It's great, though. I will say that it's fa- it's unbelievable. It'll say like rain begins in 17 minutes and 38 seconds. It's perfectly clear outside, and then it's 17:34. You're like, did I just hear thunder? It's it's the. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable.
2: 91 today, 93 Thursday, 96 Friday. Again, no practice tomorrow for the Colts. They will be back out here though on Friday. Uh, and then Saturday night, and the next week is their busiest week of Colts camp. It is a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then Saturday and Sunday next week. So by far their busiest week coming up next week at Grand Park. If you're coming out today, stop by. We are located in the northwest corner of the two practice fields. Do you like that we've opened up this curtain a little bit? Yeah. Although it it,
3: it wasn't easy to get to because we're kind of roped off.
2: Yeah, we are a bit roped off, but I think with Colt City, I believe you can walk down here. Uh, We're kind of in the media area. For those that have been out here in prior years, we're in the same general vicinity that we've been in. But I feel bad because we have the
3: promotions guys set up, guy and gal set up right across the way from us for the station. uh, And nobody can come in here, right?
2: Yet. Nine
3: o'clock. But but they can't come in this tent.
2: Well, no. Maybe they can go, I don't know, know chat with them over at the fence. (laughs) Do you think Matt Ryan could complete a pass to that fence right there?
4: No nope the rope was a jQuery uh you know contract demand right <laughs> not get at these, all <laughs>
3: get these people <laughs> away from me no Mark, I want people to be able to come right up Mark there was a moment today that I thought it might have been you and I yep. for the show mm-hmm. come on now how long have you guys worked with me
4: well that's you why, know that's why we thought that way that's
2: why, that's why we did happened. that's why
4: we didn't we didn't call you we were
2: one like, of
3: the great one of the great compliments that I've ever received was this about your nostrils I have wonderful now. I can my my sense of smell is amazing. Um, during practice for the Indy Five Hundred this year, when we were doing in the booth, we were doing practice coverage from twelve to six every day. And Nick Yeoman and I were in the booth together, and Alex Wolf was the pit guy. And Alex Wolf later told me he goes, "Yeah, he's like I'd, I'd never worked with you before." And it was like two minutes before noon, and I said to Nick, "I'm like." do I need to stay up here? Like, Jake's nowhere to be found. And Nick goes, oh, he'll be here. Just watch. And he goes, and like literally five seconds before you went on, you just walked in and threw on the headsets. I'm like, well, yeah.
2: Yeah, we also thought that at Friday at the NFL Combine, and we saw how that worked out. Mm-hmm.
3: By yep. the way, I think, mm-hmm. I think my credential's are in my car.
2: On that day. Huh. He is Jake Queria, as if you needed any sort of <laughs> reminder on that. I am Kevin Bowen. Again, live here at Grand Park. It is a glorious-looking Wednesday. In Westfield, the first practice for the Indianapolis Colts at 10 a.m. Colts City opens up at 9, so fans will start to trickle in at 9 o'clock. Again, for those that have not been here to a Colts practice before, I I would get here in that 9 o'clock hour. Players oftentimes get out in the practice field relatively early for some stretching, just some working out, and it's a great viewing experience from how close you are to the action. Matt Gay, kicker, going to join us here, the new Pro Bowl kicker for the Colts. He's going to join us here coming up a little bit later in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll continue to give away our four-pack of tickets to the state Can we call him
3: former practice squad member, Matt Gay?
2: Former Colts practice squad guy, yeah.
3: Do you think he'll go for that? During the COVID year. Was that when it was?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt Gay was a member of the Colts, then went to the Rams, had great success there in the former fifth-round pick, which obviously very high for a kicker. He has certainly reached that talent, and we'll chat with him coming up a little bit later. Thank you for listening. Kevin Acquire right here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.
3: The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and
2: 107.5 The Fan. Come on now. Come really? on. You want it? Hell yeah, I want it. Holding on for dear life last night. That's what the Reds did in the bottom of the night. They're up 2-0 going to the ninth. couple of insurance runs, which is needed with the Reds' bullpen this year. Andrew Abbott pitched outstanding through six innings. Jake, they're up 4-0. Christian Yelich hits a three-run homer in the ninth. It is now 4-3. They bring in Alexis Diaz. their all-star. All of a sudden, next thing you know, runners on first and second. That would have been the tying and the winning runs. Thankfully, a fly ball ended that one. 4-3. Reds uh, even up the series with the Brewers. Joel Erickson, Kevin Bowen with a rubber match today. I love it. That would be Wednesday. Uh, What's on the line for you guys? A six-pack of a beverage of choice. And uh, the other person has to wear an opposing team's shirt. I wouldn't, you know, it's funny. I'm a, Joel I'm a, and I are not
4: the same size. I wanted them Reds to be fan. shirtless and run 100 yards on a practice field. But Mark but wanted us naked. Mark,
2: is, you know, Mark has been one that wants to see me shirtless. Like, <laughs>
4: well, I'm not out there, but I figured you have to put some stakes in there. So show some skin, and then it's even more emphasis on your team. Trust me, there
3: are, there are no stakes with that visual. Oh. Yeah. I I would have I'm a Reds fan, but I would have no problem wearing a Brewer shirt. That's what's weird. I would not wear a Cardinal shirt. I would not wear. Um, You know, there are other teen, Cubs, probably, but I, I, I would have no problem wearing a Brewer shirt. Two
2: ten is first pitch today from M- Milwaukee. Speaking of the Cubs, 7-3 in mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. crosstown game over the Southsiders there. Uh, what else yesterday? Uh, Indianapolis Indians got a win over the Bats. I I got beat. I was at the Indians game
3: last night. Tom Reitman says hi, by the way, Ken. Oh, love Tom Reitman. Uh, it was our annual Robin Miller gang um. Tribute night, if you will. Is that where you guys sit in the upper deck? Yeah, we sit up in the. Well, we sat down and there were kids around us and we're like, eesh, no, that's probably not a good idea. So we moved into the uh, upper left field section and just sat around and told old stories and basically listened to Dave Scoggin get mad at the world. It was great. It's an annual tradition. Uh, We did have an honorary dollar hot dog toast in honor of Terry Hutchins, obviously Robin Miller, John Banch. David Benner, uh, those that have been lost from, from the gang, but um, Love a lot it. of Tradition fun, you guys do. and I'm always thrilled that they asked me, because I worked at the Star when I was like the, the gruntiest of grunts, um, so it's cool that they include me, but it was a lot of fun, and at one point, guy comes up to bat for the Louisville Bats, and Conrad Brunner's, I think it was Conrad Brunner's either brother or uncle, goes, hey... This is the guy that got sent back down when they brought up Ellie de la Cruz. (laughs) Like, you think he thought it was gonna be a two week assignment? (laughs) The Wally Pip of
2: Louisville. Nice historical figure (laughs) for moving forward. He'll be on a Scotty Pop quiz here in the next couple of months. That's right. Uh, Indians, by the way, day game today over at Victory Four. Field uh, again. Colts camp schedule 10 a.m. today. Their first practice here at Grand Park. We're gonna have Matt Gay, the quite expensive Pro Bowl punter, or excuse me, Pro Bowl kicker for the Colts. He's gonna join us coming up around 8:45. What do you think's the
3: longest field goal he's ever hit in a practice? I'm gonna ask him. Uh, I'd say 65. I'll say 72. Ooh, is that off a tee? Yeah, like in a in a practice with nobody around. You know what I mean? You got to figure whatever the longest he could hit in a game situation. Add 10, right?
2: Yeah, I think off the ground, though, that'd be... Yeah, I mean, that's pretty tough. He, he does have a big leg. I think he's kicked some, you know, very long ones, which obviously has been an issue for the Colts uh, in recent years. He's going to join us here in a bit. couple other news items from yesterday. The Indiana Fever lose, really kind of a heartbreaker, by one last night. Uh, Jordan Canada for the Sparks hit a three with three seconds to go to beat the Fever by one, so now 6-17 and 17 on the year. And tonight, you will get the U.S. women's soccer team back in action. It will be, by all accounts, their toughest group stage match. That will be the Netherlands, a rematch of the last World Cup final. The Netherlands beat Portugal in their first game. So if the United States women want to win the group, in all likelihood, they need a W so
3: tonight. Let me ask you this. The Netherlands, Holland is part of the Netherlands, right? I believe so, yes. So what are the other like islands or nations of the Netherlands? The Netherlands means Netherlands, so Holland is one of those Nethers. What are the other Nethers?
2: Uh, That would be
3: a good question. I I don't. uh, I'm going to be there in October. I'm going to the Netherlands. I know
2: Amsterdam. I know the red light district. I know the Dutch. (laughs) I know that their colors are like orange and blue. I think that's right. Yeah, really orange. But 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 Amsterdam's the city. Holland is the country, and Netherlands is the region, right? And I do remember their men's team. Didn't they make a run a few years ago? I think ago? they did. And I remember every time they panned to the crowd, there were some attractive Netherlands. <laughs> Netherlanders? Andies. Andes. <laughs> Andes. Is that
3: what they're known as? Andes are the little little mints that come in the little green. I love those.
2: And aren't they mountains? They are, yes. That's correct, yes. Uh, We'll get into some Colts conversation. Chris Ballard had some very interesting comments yesterday. We'll play some of that audio. Coming up live here at Grand Park in Westfield, I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Jake Quarry. You're listening to Kevin Quarry, 93.5.
1: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kisquali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisquali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kisquali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kisquali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisquali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kisquali is right for you.
3: When you think, Kevin, of the old John Facenda NFL films with this music and the old, 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 old guard, like the Steve Sable era NFL films with John Facenda commentating it, do you think of them talking more about the grueling dog days of camp or the, the cold, bitter nastiness of Chicago and Lambeau?
2: I see a negative 10-degree playoff game yeah. between the Vikings yeah. and
3: Packers. That, that's fair, yeah. The Frozen Tundra. The frozen you Frozen know Tundra I mean? of yeah. Field. Yeah, all the, I mean, Facenda's voice was just fabulous, right? And there was just nothing better than those old NFL films. And, in fact, when you mentioned Minnesota, as we've talked about on this program before, the greatest moment in NFL history, of course, being the, I think it was, was it, oh, I want to say 69 or 70, the end of the year when the Vikings were, at halftime, were promoting the local, kind of like their equivalent of the Peru circus and they brought out some kid in a hot air balloon (laughs) and and it was supposed to go like 100 feet in the air and then they were going to bring it back down but the the old tethers broke and it just sailed right out of the stadium. The kid sailed away about 10 miles and plummeted into the Minnesota River and some fishermen saw him and scooped him out drove him back to the stadium suffered a little slight hypothermia they sent him inside one of the locker rooms and he was on the pup list for a few weeks and he was good to go <laughs> canceled the canceled the alerts and said okay well let's and literally like the they have a it was Pat Summerall did NFL weekly highlights back then and he's like in Minnesota, a little kid flew out of the stadium on a balloon. We hope he's okay. Second half, Cardinals. <laughs> it's like, okay.
4: By the fourth quarter, a little Johnny's down in a hot dog <laughs> and a, a pop. I mean, just crazy
2: stuff, man. So that ranks higher than their uh, historic comeback over the Colts last year? Well, the second highest
3: moment was when Minnesota actually hosted the Super Bowl, uh, or, or the NFC Championship, I think it was, and decided to have the then equivalent of Ragnar fly, yet because they didn't have enough bad experience with the balloon. So they decided to have him fly a viking ship that was a balloon shaped like a viking ship and it went errant and screamed and crashed into the upper upper level seats and unexpected spectators were like what is going on? And had to rescue the flying balloon. They the balloons have not done well in Minnesota. Yeah, sounds like it, you know. Um so yesterday a lot of conversation about a lot of different topics and um, you were there, Kevin. I mean, I was there for the players. You know, I saw Kenny Moore and Jelani Woods, and but but Ballard's overall tone demeanor, um, you would list it as what?
0: Um, I
2: I, I guess optimistic. I mean, I, I would figure every GM feels somewhat level of optimism heading into a season. I you know, I don't think he's going to come out and be like, yeah, we're in rebuild mode and we're going to win four games this year. Um, but I I did find the Taylor and Pittman comments particularly. Interesting. Um, Mark, if you can cue up the Jonathan Taylor clip yesterday. I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the show. I felt like it was the first time from Ballard that we heard from him in talking about Taylor a little bit of hesitancy, a little bit of he said some things that I think he was speaking to Taylor's agent, and I hadn't heard that from him in regards to Taylor before, and I guess it kind of makes sense because think about it. The last time we heard from Chris Ballard, Jonathan Taylor had taken a very quiet stance. And since then, Jonathan Taylor's certainly not taken a very quiet stance. So here was yesterday, Chris Boward, a little bit on Jonathan Taylor.
0: Yeah, we're not going to get into, I mean, you know me on the contracts. We're not going to get into any what kind of contract negotiations we're getting into with any of our guys. So we'll move forward as we, I mean, look, we've been, I mean, our history is really good. You know, but saying that we're coming off a four win season. We have a new coaching staff. So we'll kind of let it play out as it does, um, and make those decisions when we need to make those decisions.
2: Yeah, well, he says history is good. He's referencing the history is pretty good about re-signing their own. That that is yeah. What we take care of guys, right? Is there? Because I know some people are like, "Does he mean that the history is good between him and Taylor?" No, no, no. He, he wasn't meaning that. He was meaning their history is good and re-signing draft picks that perform well. But that coaching staff aspect he threw out there, Jake. He mentioned that on more than one occasion yesterday. Like, hey, we got got new coaching staff. They've got to evaluate things. Well, where did Chainsaw can just come from? Philly. What happened to Philly's leading rusher in the offseason?
3: Well, their leading rusher was...
2: Their leading running back. Yeah, their leading running I was going to
3: say. I mean, they used their quarterback a lot in that regard. Yeah, you got, they They went by committee, right? He's in Carolina.
2: Miles yeah. Sanders is... is, is Oh, I thought you meant, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Not yeah. there anymore. So, you know, if you kind of go off some of that, the Shane can come from the thinking of I am good with rolling with, you know, multitude of backs, and that's how um, I want to operate there. It, it's, there just seems like there's a little smoke with this Taylor thing. And you can point to several things. And we'll have Stephen Holder on a little bit later, who I think is very plugged into this storyline, to talk more about it. But you know, yesterday, late in the show, Jake, you had Ian Rappaport tweet out something to the effect of Jonathan Taylor is, you know, whatever. Is he on the fence or he's not going to report to camp? And then 10 minutes later, the Colts are tweeting out a picture. And it's like a back and forth there. And then you look, and all of a sudden Taylor's liking a tweet where someone's mentioning that the only reason he's there is the Marshawn Lynch meme of, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Um you know, Stephen, I think tweeted out last night about you know, I can tell you that all options regarding taking a stance on his contract were on the table. It is this pup situation a little bit of that? Considering he's coming off the ankle surgery and he was very cautious and returning to the field last season, like Rappaport does not tweet that out, Jake, out of nowhere. I think there the is most- some reason for that, and the Shaquille Leonard agent agent connection i think kind of adds to it as well we saw leonard do something similar in regards to his health before signing an extension a few years ago and that's why i think my my antenna is up a little bit with this my to me the most interesting comment chris ballard said there
3: kevin or mark play that exact clip again and i'm going to tell you when to stop it keep my mic up i'll tell you exactly when to stop it when chris ballard says the most key part of that soundbite
0: Yeah, we're not going to get into, I mean, you know me, on the contracts. We're not going to get into any what kind of contract negotiations we're getting into with any of our guys. So we'll move forward as we, I mean, look, we've been, I mean, our history's really good. You know, but saying that, we're coming off a four-win season.
3: Boom, right there, stop it. We're coming off a four-win season. What do you think about Jonathan Taylor, Chris? I think he's a great player. I think he's a great guy. We're coming off a four-win season. What do you think about Jonathan Taylor in terms of securing him for the future? I think he's a really important player. I think he's a great player. I think he's a good guy. We're coming off a four-win season. That's his subtle reminder. That's his little jab. Um, Jab's probably the wrong word. But that's his, his rightful, subtle reminder of, look you can we can go you guys can go on and on and on to me as his agent as his representative as fans whatever about how critically important this guy is we had him last year we won four games there are other things that are bigger priorities and he's a he's a critical piece don't get me wrong and he's a great player and he's a good guy but that is Chris Ballard saying you know it's like i always say when when some quarterback gets traded somewhere and you're like oh my gosh this puts that franchise over the top. And you're like, I don't know, does it? Because the fr- the, the team he's coming from, they were 7-10 and 10 and had equal the supporting cast of the place where he's now going. So why does everybody automatically think they're going to be anything other than 7-10? and 10? I think what he is saying there is, look, he might be an important piece, but we still have a team around him that won four games.
2: So we got to try some different things. Mark, play the Michael Pittman clip if you don't mind. And as you get that queued up, Jake, I'll ask you this question. And obviously you're going to react to it after you hear the Michael Pittman clip. Why do you think Ballard used that tone with Taylor but not that tone with Pittman? Mark, you got the Pittman clip? Yep. Here we go. Here's Michael Pittman in in relation to... Here's Chris Ballard, I should say, on Michael Pittman from yesterday.
0: I love Pitt. That freaking dude likes to compete. And he had frustrating moments. I mean, he was frustrated because he, he's a competitor. I mean... You know, here we were as a team, and we weren't playing well. He was frustrated, and he's emotional, which I love. Like I don't, I don't mind guys that are emotional and care because they want to win. Like and and guys that want the ball. I mean, that stuff doesn't bother me. Like I would rather have a guy like Pitt, who wants it and wants to win and does all the little things competitively uh, right. Um, instead of a guy that just kind of accepts who his role is. So having him, his presence, his competitive nature, the way he works, he'll be a little limited early just because we'll be careful with him here this first week or two. But he has been diligent in his work ethic, getting back from this injury. He is highly competitive. um, And, you know, he's a a big piece of what we do.
2: Last thing he said there. Why the difference? Why that for Pittman and not that for Taylor?
3: Because Pittman – First off, Pittman plays, okay, this all comes down, Kevin, to Anthony Richardson. The Colts have, this is different than Phillip Rivers. This is different than Matt Ryan. This is different even than Carson Wentz. Chris Ballard's future, Chris Ballard's reputation, Chris Ballard's legacy as a general manager is now all in the basket of Anthony Richardson. So because it's in the basket of Anthony Richardson, he's got to do everything that he can to make sure that Anthony Richardson is a success story. Because Anthony Richardson's success or failure is going to define the long-term, and and for that matter, even, I I say short-term, but let's say three-year and beyond, hold of chris ballard as the general manager of in the nfl of the indianapolis colts he knows that anthony richardson is the engine the transmission and the keys to everything of his future so therefore he has to make absolutely certain that anthony richardson from the get-go is given all of the training wheels necessary and the reality is in 2023 the training wheels for a babied quarterback is a wide receiver and a comfortable comfort level big target over the middle that's reliable for him and yes Jonathan Taylor is absolutely an important piece to that but Jonathan Taylor is far more even though he is an unbelievable talent and there aren't necessarily the running backs that can execute the running back position to the level of Jonathan Taylor what would be asked of a running back to that is replacing Jonathan Taylor is an easier fill than what would be asked for a wide receiver that would be replacing Michael Pittman he knows he has to have Pittman because that's what's going to allow Richardson to get off and going so
2: based off so based off that you think a better chance Michael Pittman is re-signed versus Jonathan Taylor yes yes is that a change in thought based off what you have felt for the last couple of months no because I think
3: Taylor is a wonderful player, but I think Taylor is a more fungible position. I think Taylor's,
2: here's the thing, and this is where it gets tricky. That's yeah. interesting because isn't that different than how the Colts have always operated? I mean, they've, they've re-signed the guard. They've re-signed the linebacker. No, you're right. They drafted Taylor right. in the they, second round. They, you don't draft a dude in the second round if you're going to bail on him in four years. Here, here's the thing.
3: Well, they drafted him in the second round under a different regime.
2: Well, no, no, and Ballard drafted him.
3: I'm saying coaching. He keeps talking about like new coaching, we got new coaching staff. We won four games, we got new coaching staff, we gotta see, we're going a new direction, you know, etc uh, again none of this is meant as a slight at Jonathan Taylor or his skill level. I think he's a tremendous talent, and he is a home run hitter and an exciting... Jonathan Taylor puts fans in the stands, no question. And and he won them the New England game, no question. But it's a new there's a new sheriff in town and Shane Steichen and You are going now with every single move the Colts are going to make for the next 18 months are going to be centered around making life as acclimated and easy as possible for Anthony Richardson. And now, Jonathan Taylor, on the other hand, if I'm Jonathan Taylor's agent, what I'm saying is, and this is where the yin and yang and the tug of war becomes yep. interesting. If I'm Jonathan Taylor's agent, what I'm saying is, and I think they know this, Jonathan Taylor is more important to the Colts than, than he probably would be to other franchises. And I and I would be leaning on that. Hey, listen, you, you need this guy to, to be one of those things that is alleviating pressure off Richardson. But the receiver is the comfort level from a quarterback standpoint.
2: I still think both of these guys are going to be here long term, but I thought yesterday was really interesting. And I think Jonathan Taylor is pretty darn dug into the sand. And how he reacts to all of this uh, is going to be fascinating to see play out. We'll continue this conversation, play some more Chris Bauard audio live here at Grand Park, Kevin and Query on a Wednesday.
1: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
3: By the way, uh, 8 o'clock hour underway Grand Park. People starting to fill in...
2: Uh fill in and file in here, right, Kevin? Yeah. Business I, starting to pick up a little bit? Yeah, I think we're still kind of in the worker front of people filling in, but 9 o'clock, I believe, is when Gates Open, or Colt City Opens, uh, which uh, kind of bleeds into practice. 10 o'clock, that is when practice will begin here again. No practice tomorrow. Friday morning sold out. Saturday night, is also sold out um we'll get back to that Chris Bauard audio in just a second but a couple things I'm curious for today it's day one of practice obviously the Colts are going to be pretty scaled back in what they do it'll look very similar to what they did in the spring you aren't allowed to put on full pads for a couple days but certainly the quarterback reps you can you know mark that down for something you'll watch every day at practice Richardson versus Minshew uh do we hear from Jonathan Taylor you know He's currently on the physically unable to perform list, so he does not need to practice, but does he want to be in front of a mic? Does he want to be more public with his stance? That is something to keep an eye on. Uh, first look at rookie corner Juju Brintz, the Warren Central product. It's going to be a big product. camp for him. He could have a huge role here in 2023. And then last thing, and I say this because the last time we saw the Colts, um, now there are some health reasons that contribute to this, but I would say the final two days of minicamp were the two worst passing offense days I have seen in my you know decade plus watching NFL. All practices. around, you mean, or just with Richardson? Both, both Gardner Minshew, both Anthony Richardson, and when you say all around, let's talk about the pass catchers too. It was not just the quarterbacks. You had some drops in there. Now, as I said, personnel played into that. You didn't have Pittman, you didn't have Josh Downs, you didn't have Jelani Woods, you didn't have Jonathan Taylor. So, I mean, there were some certain, you know, personnel losses within that, but how this passing offense looks in general will be a storyline all year long, and again, the last time we saw the group, it was U-G-L-Y. And I think people need to brace
3: themselves, Kevin, for the fact that There are going to be days with Anthony Richardson where it's like, in camp, where it's like, oh my gosh. They have gotten, this guy is going to break the mold. And then there are going to be other days that are going to be like, what in the world are they going to do? Well. I mean, it's going to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. ACDC's Whoa, here, by AC/DC the way.
4: Oh, ACDC concert going on. Are Just they so live? Lucky. Is this like the Iowa Speedway?
2: <laughs> ACDC live right. here from Westfield? That's correct. This morning, I think we're testing out the sound system here at Grand Park. You you know, t- to your point, Jake, earlier, I think you made this point yesterday about Richardson. Hey, good morning. It's WFBQQ95 here. (laughs) We are going to see the crazy highlight from him. Because that's how social media operates. Obviously, you're you're seeing it right now, and by all accounts, Lionel Messi's playing great. (laughs) I'm sorry. Are you talking? (laughs) But with how social media operates, you just get the one clip from practice, boom, it goes viral. Right. Whereas when you're out here for two hours and you're out here watching the entire practice, you get a much better gauge of the consistency of Richardson. There's
3: going to be a game this year where Anthony Richardson, it's, you know, a – they're on the road it's a hostile environment you're going to see him and he's looking over to the sidelines and he's cupping his helmet to hear the play being called in that which is exactly for those of you listening right now that's exactly what I'm doing right <laughs> i'm cupping over because it, so that i can hear in my actual headsets what's going on i have heard kevin that that there are concerns is the wrong word but that yes the so far the consistency has not been there where they would like it, but they also know. I mean, you haven't even... To be expected. You haven't even pulled on the Pit Road yet, right? I mean, to be expected is probably fair. Um, by the way, kind of odd to do this, I guess, with loud music in the background, but I did want to pass this along because I just saw it on Twitter. Our friend Matthew in Maine, who has been a regular and de- devoted listener to this program... As loyal as they come, Jake. As loyal as they come. And... Um, Matthew had alluded on social media. And one of the things that I love about Indianapolis, this is what I love about where we live. Um, And I'm going to say this just because Matthew's been open and and transparent about it on social media. So I think it's fair to, I don't think it's off limits to mention it. Matthew's been very open about the fact living in Maine of um, just living for for the better part of Matthew's life, I think probably some instability and at times tumultuous natures of, of life around him, not necessarily he himself. Um, and I believe went through the foster program, you know, was a, was a foster child, and eventually was adopted and had a very loving mother that... Offered that stability that he had been looking for, and then the other thing I love about this city is because of Matthew's um, fandom of Adam Vinatieri, he followed Vinatieri in terms of following Vinatieri's career to Indianapolis when Vinatieri came here, and in that capacity, got became basically part of the Colts Twitter, you know, Colts Nation, whatever you want to call it, um, of interacting with different Colts fans. And taking then an interest in the city of Indianapolis and finding a group of people that have become Matthew's friends and and part of Matthew's everyday life, which I absolutely love. Uh, Matthew came here for the race this year, first time that Matthew'd been to Indianapolis. But Matthew just sent a tweet that Matthew's mother, who adopted him 20 years ago, passed away this morning, uh, just before we went on the air, as a matter of fact. And um, certainly our heartfelt condolences on that loss. And in addition to that... um, the reflection or uh, of the triumph, or the joy of the fact that 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 is somebody who brought Matthew what Matthew deserved in life. So certainly our condolences, not only from this show, but for the people that know Matthew on Twitter about uh, that loss. Yeah,
4: I was. But,
2: text, I just texted Matthew a little bit earlier, and you mentioned to me of you know, losing your parents before the age of thirty-four. You and I are—I'll be thirty-four yeah, in September. Yeah, I'll be fifty-one. You, you're yeah, obviously older than that. And you know, to have both of our parents, we're certainly very fortunate for that. So, uh, yes, like you said, Jake can Tolan system to Matthew. Um, but back to the, the, the Richardson situation, Kevin, and that kind of piggybacks off what
3: we were talking about in the last segment. I, I just think personally, and you tell me if you disagree, I, I just think... There is a lot of truth to the fact that they, you know, they certainly will have the the money and the flexibility and the cap space, especially with Richardson on a rookie deal, to to lock in both Taylor and Pittman. Oh, money's I, I not an issue at all. Yeah, it's not a one or the other type thing. It's not like you're paying other guys. But I do think that, um, you know, I, I I just think that Ballard and taking the approach, and maybe Ballard actually when it comes to Pittman, you asked me what I thought about Ballard's comments about Pittman. You know, basically being, um, j- just coming outright and and. Professing his love for Michael Pittman, I that might have been a message to other players. Whether it's Taylor, I don't know, but to other players of, hey, here's a guy that his contract's up and he's going to get his because of the fact that he worked hard and he never complained and he did this and he did that. You know, that's probably a message that's being sent as well, right?
2: Yeah, I, I could see some of that, and and obviously, you know, he clearly is a huge fan of what Pittman stands for from a work ethic standpoint. One thing on Richardson that I wanted to hit on. And I thought you heard it from DeForest Buckner with us in this chair right here yesterday. And then you heard it from Michael Pittman later in the day. I think when you see the draft pick of Anthony Richardson, so many people have said, man, the Colts just fell in love with the dude because of the combine. He set the combine on fire, and all of a sudden, Colts fell in love. Some people, other people in the NFL fell in love. There's more to the why of why they felt like Richardson was worthy of the fourth pick. And I thought Buckner and Pittman, each of them shared yesterday, a first-hand kind of account of that. When I asked DeForest Buckner your first impressions of Anthony Richardson, certainly he mentioned the sheer size. But he also mentioned something that I think is a really unteachable trait when it comes to quarterback position, and I think it's vital to having success at this level. And that is pocket presence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Buckner mentioned, like, there is no deer in headlights from him. And you know, Buckner would know he's the one creating right. Muddy Pockets well, that, yeah, yeah, and, and trying sure. to disrupt that. And, and I'll, I'll go back to the night the Colts drafted Richardson. You know, when Chris Boward came into that media room that night, he didn't really gush over the physical salivating traits that Anthony Richardson clearly possesses. He often mentioned the word poise of when things get hectic in the pocket, it would be pretty easy for a guy 6'4", 240 that runs a 4'4", to just tuck it and run every time. But that's not Richardson. And I think that's an important quality for him to try and continue to sustain at the NFL level. And I think that's what makes Patrick Mahomes so great. Yes, Mahomes' talent, his arm talent, I should say, is one of one. But also his ability never to panic and always to try to extend a play and make a play and keep those eyes down the field, I would argue is just as good as his arm. It's a little bit like LeBron James in the fact of LeBron athletically, one of one. But LeBron is a mind. 98% of the basketball games he plays in, he's the best basketball mind. You know one question
3: I'd like to know the answer to, which probably I should have asked. But they're going to lie. There there would be no reason for the Colts to to answer this honestly. Would the Colts have taken Richardson if they had the number one overall pick?
2: Ursay says yes. I don't know if I believe him, though.
3: I think Bryce Young. yeah, they're, they're different players, right? I mean, one I think is the safer pick, but the other has the higher ceiling for certain. And, and who was it I was talking to yesterday? Um, I was talking yesterday with somebody that was saying that their critique of Chris Ballard would be that Ballard always takes the safe pick, that he never gambles, that he never had, and, and I think in this situation he did, quite frankly, and I'll give him credit for that. You know, I don't know that Richardson was the, off his Yeah, I don't know that Richardson was the easy pick. Well, who would have been
2: the easy pick there? At four, Levis. The no. We should be, we should get Mayo back in the
3: coffee. Yeah, no, no, that's not going to happen. When's
2: the t- no. Mark? When's the first Titans game? We We're not doing it. We're not We're doing, doing, it. We're not doing it. Yeah, we, we got to do that no. again. We can he, double down. He, he,
3: no, yeah, I'll no, get a new he, fresh he, batch no. of. Dukes. I've heard the
2: second time it's better.
3: He okay. Well, he came out and said that's all BS.
2: So good enough for me, right? I don't know what what would have been safe there though. You don't take a quarterback and people want to burn your house down. I mean that's that's true.
3: I, I just but was Richardson the, I mean, Levis was probably the safer quarterback pick because he was the more the prototypical, you know, coming out of like lots of reps lot known about him. You know, you could make the argument that he was hurt at Kentucky and therefore he wasn't, you know, so you got a little bit of a pad there. Richardson was a little more of a – a flyer is probably the wrong word. I mean,
2: but he is really high reward but, but some risk. The other Richardson-related comment I wanted to get to and in, in kind of the why behind the Colts made this draft pick, Michael Pittman talked about this yesterday. The Colts did a three-day – Camp. This is all voluntary. I think all players had to pay their own way to it. Uh, a few weeks back during this summer break, down in Miami, and Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richardson and Sam Ellinger led meetings, and then they got on the field in Miami to do some routes versus air and some walkthrough stuff. And you know, pretty much ninety-five percent of the skill players were there. I think Jelani Woods had a personal matter, so he he did not make it. But a lot of the skill players were there, and you know, Pittman kind of walked away from that. And a feeling that he have he has with with um, Richardson is the dude works too hard not to succeed. And, you know, certainly there are other factors that are going to be at play here, and you don't truly know until you take off the red jersey and you get into these moments in the NFL. And, I mean, hell, you see the guy in a two-minute situation. You see the guy in, you know, week in, week out, big-time moments. You know, the NFL, there's no Bethune-Cookman on your schedule. There's no Samford on your schedule like you had at Florida. You know, how he, he reacts to that. Well, there's the Texans. Well, <laughs> well, some people would say there's the Colts after yeah, last season. Um So how he reacts to that, you don't truly know. But I think those are two reasons. Outside of the combine, outside of measurables, outside of testing this in the 40, vertical jump this, height, weight. Pocket presence, work ethic. The Colts feel like those two things are there with him, and that's why they felt conviction there at number four, where they don't view it as, you know, as big of a risk as maybe some others do.
3: So Holland and the Netherlands, same thing.
2: Did you know that? Uh, that, yeah, I mean, I would have said, I would have guessed Holland is a part of the Netherlands. Correct, that's what I
3: thought. I thought Holland was like the largest province or like the state of the Netherlands. But according to Wikipedia, which is all-knowing, the Netherlands and Holland, the Netherlands is the country, and then it says informally known as Holland. The pertinence well, did, of this is the
2: United States women's national team. How did taking that come about? Like, did they just have a meeting one time? The Netherlands tonight in Game Two of their group stage. When when the
3: Netherlands was a kid, did somebody start calling it Holland, and so it just went by that from then on?
4: Netherlands is too complicated. Let's call us as <laughs> Holland. Okay. My parents are big fans
2: of Holland,
3: Michigan. Don't they wear wooden uh, do they wear wooden shoes in Holland Michigan?
4: They call them clogs, yes. <laughs> uh, the offensive line they have question windmills up there was well, yeah, another one. F-
2: <laughs> another one from Chris Ballard yesterday. Mm-hmm. To me it is extremely And everything's legal up in Holland Michigan now too, right? You, you can do, do whatever you besides, want in Holland. Besides mowing in the medians, right? <laughs> that is true. They don't mow in the medians. Mark you up that
3: offensive line clip. Excessive grass both on and off the median. <laughs> from Chris <laughs> Why Ballard you got
4: them?
2: <laughs> from yesterday. Uh, This, to me, is the most head-scratching thing of the offseason, given Ballard's affinity for offensive line play, trench play. He was asked yesterday about running it back with the same offensive line. Here was Chris Ballard yesterday on that.
0: Yeah I look the one thing I think uh, got overlooked was at the end of the year we didn't they didn't play bad like they played bad early but the last half of the season they played pretty good football and then you get Bernard he's going to take another step he had an excellent spring I mean like with any young tackle they're going to have some struggles early and and look he's only going into a second year so he'll have some some struggles i'm sure this year too but he's also grown so i think as a unit i think i think we'll get better play out of all of them i just felt at the end of the year like we were running the ball really well at the end of the year and the pass protection needed to be better which i think will take another step i think schematically it's going to help with what shane and them are doing um but you know time will be the proof of whether we made the right decision or not
3: I agree with him about <clears throat> Bernard Ryman, by the way. I do think that Ryman, had, you know, I, I, I think he came along, Kevin, to be honest with you. And and it is probably true that by the end of the year, maybe the line was playing better. They were just so bad it was lost in all the shuffle. You know what I mean? Um, certainly Jeff Saturday would tell you they were playing better. Um, I, you know, whether that's that carries the merit or not, you know, I don't I would assume that he would know. And Saturday's made that claim, but that might have been Saturday also trying to show why he should have been retained. But
2: your wallet fell out of your pocket, You're grabbing it and some money. Oh, here. thanks. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just the story of my life. Kevin. Think
2: you would have found that?
3: <laughs> no, probably along with my credential. Did you see that around? No, there? I did not see that. Okay.
2: Yeah, it, it stuns me how they've operated O line wise. How they've operated O line wise isn't that bad? Yeah, yeah. It's biggest belief? Doesn't he always say you built through the trenches, and yet they have made no moves of substance. They drafted a fourth-rounder. I mean, I think he feels comfortable with where they ha- with who they have. So last year was an outlier. Uh, he's that's an outlier Tony Spirano, J- Tony Sperano Jr. is just going to be the savior to the O-line, this new position coach. Isn't that what he's saying? I mean... You are one injury to Braden Smith or Bernard Ryman away. Braden from. Smith is actually, you
3: know, Kevin... That, that's the funny thing. Brayden Smith is actually one of the – he might be the most – He's my most indispensable. Yeah. I mean, he might be the most important piece on that line, right? For sure. I You know, probably the most consistent. I, I'm going to give benefit of the doubt here. And that's rare for me, quite frankly. But I'm going to give benefit of the doubt and say that yesterday when we had on Ryan Kelly – who you could see when Ryan Kelly was talking about, we do radio, so people can't see this, okay? But you can tell when... Do you remember the Reggie Miller 30 for 30 winning time? Oh, of course. In the winning time 30 for 30, they interview Ahmad Rashad. Ahmad Rashad says, every basketball player... Has that guy in a pickup game that's like, hey, listen, I want the ball at the end of the game. 3-2-1, like I'm putting up the shot. And Ahmad Rashad's like, everybody in the place knows that shot's not going in. That guy knows he, that guy's all talk. You can tell when a guy's all BS. You can tell when a guy's talking to you about something and is saying it because that's the words that he's been told to recite. Yesterday when Ryan Kelly came on with us and was talking about how his emotions and the challenges that he was going through and the darkness that he was that he found himself in affected his play on the field playing football, you could see it in his face. He was 100% not only being transparent and honest, but he was also still dealing with some of that hurt and looking back at it. You could 100% see it. And he is the center, both literally and figuratively, of that offensive line. And it no fault of his, probably to the contrary, to his credit, he was still out there playing, but he would be the first to tell you, as he did yesterday, in totally authentic and believable transparent form that he was not playing at his best level, at his highest level, and he was not all there. And I don't mean that like he was like, you know, going psychotic or something, but he just was going through the motions. He wasn't totally invested in and I think that had a ripple effect. So I'm going to get benefit of the doubt, Kevin, to say that Chris Ballard is aware of that and feels comfortable that Ryan Kelly is on a different focus level this year and that that will transfer out from the center both sides to solidify in their line. Yeah, but isn't the line more than just Kelly? It is, but I think that, that when you have – in other words, you can get by with – a guard or a tackle that occasionally, like, is not all in when Ooh, the center uh, getting by the tackle that that, that worries me again. Pl- I'm talking about you can you can get by periods, Now I'm not talking long term. You can get by periods where your tackle makes a mistake or loses a focus or has the wrong whatever. I think the center is the most critically important piece towards what everything else feeds off of.
2: I was stunned yesterday when Ryan Kelly said at one point last year is playing at 285 pounds. Yes.
3: Guess what? I don't know that he said he was playing at that. Right? Didn't he say he got down to that at the off, like at the beginning of the off season?
2: I I I thought he said he was playing at two eighty five. Yeah, I mean that that may be. He's listed at three oh seven. Yeah. I mean, 22 pounds for an offensive lineman. Correct. That is a massive, massive number. Uh, so, I, to the individual point about Kelly, yes, I am curious now that, and again, I'm not going to act like by any means, I know what, you know, him and Emma are, are, are going through, but, you know, they're going to welcome. Um, their two sons, you know, into the world here at the start of the season. You Hopefully everything obviously goes extremely smooth or as smooth as possible in that process. And then the trickle-down effect of his play, and to your point, you know, Quentin Nelson and Will Fries next to him, and then out on the, out on the outside, Bernard Ryanman and Braden Smith. It is a very youthful depth, and, and that is not something Ballard has typically operated with. You know, he admitted uh, probably three or four years ago that he didn't have enough depth on the O-line, and it cost the Colts. This offseason on paper, I look at the depth and I think, isn't that the same worry? And we know how O-line That's fair. I mean, that's certainly fair. On the offensive line. Uh, Colts kicker Matt Gay going to join us here uh, in about 15 or so minutes. Stephen Holder again coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Before that, let's begin a morning checkdown with the Red Lakes surviving last night. The morning checkdown. Omaha! Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Don't look now, but here come the Red Legs. God, I love you, Mark Dykton. Uh Holding on for oh, dear life. That's what bet. the Reds did <laughs> in the ninth inning last night. Okay, they're up 2-0 going to the ninth. They get two insurance runs, so now they're up 4-0. They don't throw their closer out there. They go, Oh yeah, we're good. Uh, Christian Yelich hits a three-run homer, so now it's 4-3. to three. They bring in their all-star closer. All of a sudden, you've got a runner on second. He hit by a pitch. You've got a runner on first. That would be the tying. That would be the winning run. Luckily for us Red Lake fans, they get a fly out to end it. They are now even with Milwaukee on this series. As I saw someone mention earlier, they finally got a win over Daddy.
3: I mean, Milwaukee, yesterday, at the Indians game, Indianapolis Indians game went to last night, by the way, beating the Reds, Triple uh, A Farm Club, the Louisville Bats, 11-7. Tony, Tony Rainier, uh, former Indy star guy, wearing, he was decked out in total Reds gear. So said, Tony, man, how about our Redlegs? Having
2: a good summer, huh? He goes, they can't beat the Brewers. They cannot beat the Brewers. Can't win the division if you can't beat the, beat the Brewers. 2-9 going into last night against the Brewers. <laughs> now they're 3-9, rubber match today at 2 Ten. Um, speaking of today, Colts camp will begin at ten o'clock. Look at that line. I've never understood, by the way, rubber match.
3: So this is at how many games in the series? Three. So wouldn't the rubber match be the middle one? Because it bounces you from the first game to the third game. You sp- you, you go boing from the yeah the first game and then the rubber one's in the middle which which gets you to the third game what's the, the the if the rubber matches the third game it gets it's getting it's rubber it, it's you're bouncing into what
4: well no because the red the brewers won the first game so then right. the reds won yesterday so okay you know the, then who wins the series now that's why it's the rubber game because it's 1-1 the winner you know bounces over into the win column and you get the series victory
3: Okay, so, you're, so the rubber game meaning you're bouncing from one column to the other.
4: Yeah, because if the Brewers just won two in a row, like, okay, I just well, always think the rubber game should be the middle of the three
3: games regardless of what happens. Thank you,
2: Mark,
4: for the explanation yeah. on that. I, I've never By seen the
2: way, this. this many fans lined up a half hour before the gates are opening for Colts practice. Well, it's the first day. It's a little toasty out, by the way. So uh, tonight, by the way, did you say
3: in the United States Women's World Cup, it's the United States and the Netherlands, Nine right? o'clock
2: kick again. If the United States wants to win the group, in all likelihood, they need to get this game. Two teams advance out if of the group. If they go to dinner afterwards, who pays? So it won't be the end of the world. Well, there's a lot of debate over the U.S. Women's National Team. The Dutch are very generous, so
3: we'll pick up the bill. <laughs> I don't think the Dutch would pay, right? They'd pay their own bill. Was they that would,
2: Bernard Ryman there? I don't think Martin? the
3: Dutch would pay the American bill, would they?
4: We host country, we we can do it. We will.
3: <laughs> no, the host country is New Zealand,
4: right? No, but New I'm Zealand saying, and Australia, right? Aren't they both? Yeah, it's both of them. They're, they'll, uh, they'll, the f- they'll pick up the tab.
2: The Fever lost last I night by uh, Jordan Canada three pointer with three seconds to go. Beat the Fever by one. A great game out in L.A. They will play again. The Sparks and the Fever coming up Thursday afternoon. Six and seventeen on the year. The Fever have not won many games here, as of. How long is that line? oh are you talking about out there yeah, yeah. I, I thought you meant the fever sparks game coming no, up on no. thursday i was like wow that's not a yeah, by four there. and a half no. i mean it looks pretty long to me so I, I mean, do you think that there is some upwards of 50 people uh, uh, is there some
3: jostling in position at the very front of that of people kind of trying to push their way to be able to say that they were the first one in
2: well isn't it general admission seating so I would think yeah, you'd but I mean, just, good just for the, Yeah,
3: and, and, but for the bragging rights. Well, that would be like many 20-
2: say that.
4: I was first in.
2: Yeah, I was the first one, right? Like, I, I, I say this in all seriousness. I have not seen this much anticipation from a fan base for any Colts training camp. I have not. A, and that is another example of it. I mean, I've been at Grand Park for five years. I've never seen a line like that.
3: Well, does that include – Half course an hour it was, before training camp. You know, was it, was d- it was different, though. Where were they when Luck was a rookie? Uh, and probably Anderson. Did they have the same protocol? I mean, this is obviously different because of where it's located, right? Sure,
2: sure, sure, sure. Yeah, obviously that helps from a s- central location. But some anticipation for Anthony Richardson and company. Again, first practice starting at 10 a.m. We'll continue the Colts conversation. Kicker Matt Gag going to join us here in a bit. And Stephen Holder as well. Kevin Aquari live from Westfield. ninety-three-five one zero seven-five. The
3: I'm not gonna lie to you. There's part of me that thinks that for the next hour and twenty six minutes we should just let Mark Dighton's Dutch personality do the show.
2: <laughs> well this and I just feel like it's been great NFL film music on
4: top of that as well. That's should right. Go, Dutch personality and NFL film music. If I was there I can go stand and like interview people in line as a Dutch person. What do you <laughs> think about this Westfield? <laughs>
2: Very nice, right? You sound like Borat. I I, I swear he
4: sounds Very like nice. Bernard Ryman. Yeah. I can do a I think whole bunch I told of
3: impressions. You, do I think I told you Rick Smiths, when I was an intern at MTV, Rick Hankey, who was my intern boss, if you will, um, he was the producer for 120 Minutes. He went to Marist. And I'm like, oh, Marist. I'm like, yeah, Rick Smith went to Marist. He's like, yeah, Rick Smith lived in my dorm floor freshman year. He goes, he spoke no English at all, so we just gave him like 15 porno tapes. (laughs) That's how we learned English. Boy, that's quite the thought here. (laughs) I like like, you. Okay. (laughs) Again, that's Borat, Mark. That that is, I know. Borat's from Kazakhstan. (laughs) (laughs) I love America! (laughs) That was the shower situation
2: for Rick Smith. <laughs> That's a good question there. Can't uh, imagine. Seven foot four, very conducive. Briscoe you know, Rick Tucker, Smits is interesting, Kevin. That. Frankly, Rick Smits, Rick
3: Smits is one of the very few, very few big men of the mid 90s that you could say would, would probably be a better player today than he was then. Really? I think so. Those dudes are extinct, aren't they? but he was never Rick Smith's in the mid 90's if there was anything about Rick Smith's game that was a detriment or of limitation for him it was that he was not a back to the basket lumbering big man. He wanted to step out and shoot the ball basically. He was not a back to the basket player offensively but he had to be because that's what centers were back then today in today's game he would be He would have been less about, like, body work and more about fluidity because he flat out could shoot, and he had, you know, he had, like, some moves to get himself open from, you know, 10, 12 feet. He would have been – I'm telling you. Like, he'd have been – I don't know if – his game was more suited to today than then
2: is the best way of saying it. Good player, though. Good player. I don't know how much your English language would improve off of watching pornographic (laughs) film. Not that, you know – You probably know, only learn a few words, I would imagine. You, you would learn. You would learn things like,
3: "I didn't order a pizza." You know things like that, right?
2: What are you doing? What are the two positions are that uh, Chris Ballard mentioned yesterday? Smooth transition. As of uh, the biggest battles, the ones that he thinks you know, wide open, great competition at corner, corner, and. Tight end? Corner and tight end. Yeah.
3: Certainly the ones where, well, tight end, the one where he has the most riches, right?
2: Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'm kind of curious. You know, Jelani Woods and Kylan Granson are two guys that you point to and think, is there more? Are we done with moali cox Is Mo Alley-Cox reach his ceiling? Have we, have, have we
3: seen you it all? You would think with Mo cox Kevin, that if it was going to happen, it would have been by now. Feels like we've we've kind of seen it all. Yeah. If it was going to happen, and, and and plus Jelani Woods is a younger and at this point, I'm not going to say more productive than Mo Alley Cox, but he has certainly shown that he could be the same kind
2: of player, right? And it, at a younger, w- with more upside. Yeah, you know Woods. You know when you drafted him, you obviously thought you were going to tap into more because he you know, wasn't even a full time tight end throughout his career in college. So I think that is something that. Um, you saw last year. I mean, there were times last year where Matt Ryan was, I thought, very disappointed with Jelani Woods in training camp. I think Jelani Woods would even admit to you that there were times last year where he really struggled early on in camp, and even his consistency as a rookie wasn't necessarily there. But I thought you saw flashes late in the season where he definitely, you know, tapped more into that, uh, and I think he could fall into that category as kind of a breakout player. So. Yeah, corner and tight end, the two atop the list for Chris Ballard. All right, we're going to take a break here again. Matt Gay, Colts kicker, scheduled to join us along with Stephen Holder. Stephen has been very plugged in from a Jonathan Taylor situation where there's smoke, there's fire. Is that the case with Jonathan Taylor? We'll chat with Stephen Holder coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Kevin Aquarius
1: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskelly Ribocyclib 200mg at KISQALY.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskelly is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskelly Ribocyclib 200mg at KISQALY.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskelly is right for you.
2: Live here at Grand Park. First practice begins at ten. You
3: know, Matt Gay was a kicker at Utah Valley before transferring to Utah. In the same year that my cousin was a all conference softball player at Utah Valley. Really? You think they know each other? I would. I don't know how much do the football players are they kicking it with other athletes. So is he? Would the football players know the softball players? Utah Valley's Utah Valley's funny to me, Kevin, because I'll be honest. When my cousin signed to play there, she grew up in Las Vegas, and when she signed to play for Utah Valley, I was like, Utah Valley—that's Division One. I, I don't know that I'd heard of it, and I think they're in the WAC now, right? So it's like a legit D1 program, and it's a school. I looked it up. I mean, the schools—it's it's in a beautiful. Area of Utah, but all of Utah is beautiful, but it's like 18,000 kids. I think it's the size of, say, Ball State. It's a decent sized school.
2: You know, Matt, Matt Gay, kind of a remarkable, and by the way, he's going to join us here in a few. He was a fifth round pick in college. I think at the time, out of college, I think at the time, it was the second highest a kicker had been selected, like in eight years. So, obviously, he's extremely coveted coming out. He's with Tampa for a year. He struggles. I wouldn't say he struggled, like, mightily. I think he was still, like, 75 80% kicker. But they decided to cut ties with him. He was on the Colts practice squad during the COVID season. Hot Rod was the Colts kicker. Um, you know, back then, you kind of had those insurance policies on your practice squad. You had the extra quarterback. You had the extra right. kicker. Those sorts of things. And then he finds a home with the Rams, and all of a sudden, Takes off for him. Um, he, I think, he missed two field goals the entire 2021 season. Was a Pro Bowler that year. Uh, the next year, last season, missed just two field goals again. Misses were long, like 61, 51 yards. Um, length is no issue for him. He's been really good from north of 50 yards in his career. Uh, in playoff games, for what it's worth, he's 12 of 14 on field goals. So. You know, I I thought when the signing happened, Jake, I was good with it with the caveat of this cannot restrict you from other moves. I have only one hesitation
3: with it. Four years and 22 and a half. I mean, obviously they have the, the cap space. I'm not saying that. But when you consider that, I think kicking is such a mental position. And... I think kickers can get kind of like like goaltenders in hockey. I think they can get on hot streaks. And, you know, did the Colts pay for a guy's hot streak? Or are they, are they paying for a guy that at one time wasn't necessarily the most consistent kicker and then figured that out through maturation and is now as reliable as it gets?
2: Yeah, I think they are pointing to 2019, that rookie season was the outlier. Yeah. An outdoor stadium. He's a rookie kicker. Clearly, the NFL thought highly of him coming out of college to be a fifth-round pick. Then he goes indoors with the Rams, kicks at a really high level for a couple of seasons. Looks like he's kind of gotten back to that fifth-round pick grade that was put on him, and now obviously the Colts going to give that a chance. Now, having said what I said earlier about that can't restrict you from other moves, we saw the Colts operated this offseason. They barely made, really outside of Samson Ebukam, and you could look at that as just Yannick Ngakwe out the door, Ebukam coming in for him. They didn't do anything of substance. Paris Campbell left. I guess Isaiah McKenzie. Bobby Okereke left. Nothing. So, uh, they didn't do much in typical Chris Ballard fashion on that front. Um, we'll talk with Stephen Holder a little bit more than 9 o'clock hour about the Jonathan Taylor news. Let's get back, Jake, to what I thought was probably the most positive development from yesterday, and that was the fact that Shaquille Leonard will not... You're
3: right. We kind of buried that lead, didn't we? Because that's pretty big.
2: not open up camp on the physically unable to perform list. There is still a long way to go with Leonard and where he will look, or when he will look like whatever, even his somewhat normal self again. That that debate is still very much up in the air. But there's no denying this. This time last year, Shaquille Leonard was on PUP and would spend a full month on the PUP list. Well, this year, he's not on that to start the offseason. And also, this time last year, he was a month and a half removed from a back surgery. This year, he's nine months removed from his last back surgery. So... Those are the signs you point to as like, okay, those are better developments than the conversation was this time last year with Leonard. Now again, it's gonna be a thorough process, it's gonna be a slow build up, all of those things to ramp up to full go, but there are some signs you can point to that you feel better about things with Leonard than certainly where you did when you did this time last year. I thought it was interesting and telling
3: when talking yesterday to DeForest Buckner. He used a term in describing Shaquille Leonard that I thought was really actually insightful because of how vague it was. And he, that was when he said, he just has an it factor. You know, when it comes to us needing a turnover, you know, we're in the huddle. We're like, you know Shaq's going to be the one to get it. And he's like, and he just has an it factor.
2: Yeah, he referenced that moment last year when,
3: when yeah. Leonard got that turnover. And, and, and an it factor, Kevin, is... I mean, that's exactly correct. And what that means is that someone like DeForest Buckner, who we sat here and talked to, and DeForest Buckner was able to tell us, like, even through OTAs, that he was able to see something about Anthony Richardson. And as you mentioned earlier, Richardson's pocket poise and presence. And DeForest Buckner was able to immediately determine with Richardson and relay to us that it was the pocket presence that makes him different, along with his size, obviously. DeForest Buckner, who we talk, I asked him, you know, when you're lining up against quarterbacks, can you get to know their tendencies? And he's like, mostly from watching film, but like in their eyes and in their feet you can tell what they're wanting to do. And yet when it comes to asking what it when it comes to answering, the question when asked, what it is that makes Shaquille Leonard a special player, the best he could come up with is it's an it factor. Which I think is very telling because that is To say, there is something about Shaquille Leonard that does make a difference on the field, but even the most nuanced and veteran of eyes that is lining up alongside him and in the huddle can't exactly pinpoint what it is.
2: Well, you know, not to like help DeForest Buckner out here, but... No, I'm I'm saying that as a positive, not as a negative. Yeah, I would point to... The overall team turnover stat, and it's something well, we that's referenced what I mean. yesterday. But
3: and so, like, why? You know, like, when you ask though, why? How does that? Why is that the case? Why? What is that difference that he? What makes him able to have that impact? And Bunkner's like, I don't know,
2: man. It's just there's something about him that
3: turns the ball over.
2: You know what I mean? I mean, you look at the first four years of Leonard healthy on the field, you know, doing what he did to become an All Pro, and seemingly all of those four years. The Colts were top ten turnover team each of those four years, and then last year when he's off the field, I think it was 19th they were in turnovers. So I was chatting with Rick Venturi briefly about it, and he mentioned even look what Matt Eberflus did with Chicago last year. You would think Chicago would have a great defensive personnel group, and they weren't even high in the turnover category. So it's not like, you know, defensive coordinator related that that necessarily. Is the main factor in creating all of those opportunities for you. Um, so I, I do think you know, for a stat that is so often labeled as luck, you know, he has proven to be a guy that can do it on a pretty consistent basis. Now, having said that, again, we are a long ways away. I mean, I think we need to see three, four weeks of Leonard practicing, ramping it up before he even we even talk about him in an all-pro light again. But having said all that. You can't look at yesterday's news and call it anything but a positive development, especially when you factor in where he was the first day last year. What percent of the people that are coming out here today,
3: possibly 99 degrees, you know, you get those days where, like, there was some dew on the field, which was really pretty this morning. It was a beautiful sunrise. But then once the sun starts coming through combined, you can actually, like, feel the moisture in the air, right? Like, it's hot and it's sticky out. What percent of the people... From coaches to players to trainers that are coming out here in a working capacity today during practice, if you put a lie detector test on them, what percent of them would admit to, yeah, this sucks, like I don't want to go out there?
2: Well, I think the lie detector would be a lot different if they were practicing at 2 p.m. versus 10 a.m. Yeah, that's probably right. Well, I I think they look at it, first off, this is not a bad thing to call a job. For sure. And then... They're also like necessary evil to get to the season. yeah, and some of them
3: probably are like, look, I need to get in shape, or I want to, I want to lose a couple pounds, or I want to, you know, get get my this or that. Hell,
2: I, I'm like, started. oh yeah, I can just sweat on the sidelines for a couple yeah. hours. There's my workout. Yeah, exactly.
3: But it would, I mean, it would be tough for certain. Uh,
2: the line is building here for the first day of Colts training camp. I'm pretty impressed by how long this line is to get into practice. Uh, gates open at 9 a.m., uh, I believe, unless I've missed it. Is this going
3: to be like the Oklahoma land rush, like when that thing opens? is it gonna, Are we going to be watching like the videos of people on Black Friday at Walmart like when the TVs that. are in the back, or like the the videos at those bridal stores when they have a big sale on wedding gowns and all those women It'll are lined like up, and they running go running of the bulls
4: when they release the, run- the bulls.
3: I would them. love to do the running of the bulls. By the way, all of a sudden the rooster just starts going crazy. <laughs> it's the running of the roosters. I, you know what? And I love animals, and I hate. I don't know. I, I know that in most parts of Spain they've done away with bullfighting. Unfortunately, I think they still do it in Pamplona, which is the reason for the running of the bulls. But I, I admit to the fact that I would love to do the running of the bulls. I have a buddy that did it said it was like crazy but I think there is something about it that I think would be cool I will admit to the fact I'd like to do it but you know you got to just stay – what you do is, I think, Kevin, isn't there a strategy to where you kind of stay towards the back, let the bulls go past, let the like, – there's always like some jackass from Illinois that slips and falls and gets tossed in the air. Uh, Don't you let that happen all in front of you?
2: Yeah, and, and let, me, let me text Maddie. She did it. She studied abroad in Barcelona, and I think she attended a running of the bulls. I'm going to ask her. I believe
3: – so in Barcelona, and I mean I, I realize that this might have only been like the last four or five years, there is a bullfighting ring – stadium in Barcelona that is now uh, it's now a mall because they've done away with in, in Catalina which is the state or the area of Spain is, this is the, the literally the extent of my knowledge of Spain but um, they've they have outlawed bullfighting in that area of Spain, I believe. But that might—I think it's only been in the last like four or five years.
2: You know this—this this older couple that lives in this house just north of the two practice uh-huh. fields Beautiful here. Beautiful farmhouse. They just came out and set up three chairs that you'd see at your, you know, little league baseball game. They do this every year. Isn't that just a great house to have? Of course. Just Be- set up shop there. The, pra- quarterbacks, I feel like, typically work out. In I this will say zone.
3: the dilapidated, broken down RV is a bit of an eyesore.
2: Yeah, I can't see that from my, from my perch. <laughs> the rest oh, way out there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you think they own that land too? There might be a fence line there, actually. Are
4: they the ones that it. own the rooster?
3: Uh, they're the neighbors of the rooster owner, right? At
2: times I thought the rooster is the Indy 11 mascot. It's so
3: close <laughs> to the Indy 11. Workout.
2: I'd like so, to know that, like I said exactly earlier. exactly how it sounds. More. Do roosters
3: do that all day or is that just a morning thing? Because he really, I mean, it's on, it's on brand. I mean, he does it every morning.
2: He knows his role. Again, Colts sold out for practice coming up Friday and Saturday. Today, still not sold out, again, unless I missed that. But the lines are building here. Gates are going to open at 9 o'clock. First practice at 10. Matt Gay, kicker of the Colts, scheduled to join us here coming up in a bit. Steven Holder around 9.30. Kevin Aquari
1: live. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: Live from Westfield.
3: The land rush is about to take place here. Doors about to open. Gates about to open, I guess I should say, for training camp day one of practice for the indianapolis colts 23-24 season jake quarry along with kevin bowen mark dykton back in studio force work grand park here at colts training camp matt Gay, Stephen holder the guests that are slated to join us in the nine o'clock hour it's a and peaceful entrance it is a peaceful entrance the two jerseys leading the way mark dykton i will allow you to guess the two players that are represented by the jerseys of the fans that are the first to enter camp are
2: what two players?
4: Uh, Peyton Manning and Jonathan (laughs) Taylor.
2: We actually have three if you want to take the Pro Bowl jersey behind the White. Well, we, have, we have one leader of the pack, clearly. He The leader of the pack, he is a, literally four, four car lengths ahead of the rest of the pack. Uh, uh, that's a great description there. That would be one Michael Pittman, and then to follow, a couple of numbers in the 50s. Uh, that would be actually number three. We have a change for the third position. That was Quentin Nelson's Pro Bowl jersey,
3: right? And then Peyton Manning. Oh, was it not Shaq? There's a Peyton Manning, Leonard, followed by a Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Here we go Our first Anthony Richardson jersey T-shirt jersey She has on She has the blue and white hair Is that hair natural? No, that, you don't natural You don't hair? ask a woman If her blue hair is natural Kevin <laughs> Come on uh, we have several Richardson jerseys. There's another there. Anthony Richardson jersey.
2: As the crowd continues to pour in. Now the 13, is that T.Y. Hilton or Mike Vanderjat I, I would guess T.Y. Hilton. Saw so he was uh, playing in the charity softball game for Quentin Nelson. Shout out to Quentin Nelson. 700000 raised for cancer research in his charity event over the weekend. By the way, um, also, you heard... JMV mentioned. 3 o'clock today, he'll be at Union
3: Jack in Broderpool. Would encourage everybody to go out there. I love, love, love Union Jack. New location uh, in comparison to their longstanding traditional location, which was the epicenter of my buddies and I in college. Uh, Jake, we have sat. Now, what's the, least this guy's I, got a jersey that says
2: 525. Am I missing something on the number there? I, got it. I got Mar- Marlon Mack and Anthony Richardson. I, I, I got I nothing guess. on that end. I, Jake, we have sat here, I guess. I have sat here. you sat here now for two years doing shows at this hour of the morning. I've sat here now. This is my fifth year doing shows leading into Grand Park practice. And we have done morning shows leading into the first practice. I can never recall. Uh, we are now at, what, two minutes of fans continuing to stream in. There are no signs of the fans stopping anytime soon. This is a bit shocking to me. It is, I mean, there's a lot of people here. But on a Wednesday
3: practice. I, I think this has something to do with it as well, Kevin. First off, I cannot believe... I not you think believe Andrew Luck's
2: first practice back in 2018 would have had this? But that would have A, been
3: in Anderson, right? Uh, 2018. Oh, 2018 Here. back, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's two things in play. First, rookie quarterback, I mean, you know, I, I think people are chomping at the bit because last year was a disappointment and they feel like this is a new, fresh beginning, fresh start, you know, new new players they want to see in addition to that and i cannot believe it is absurd to me old guy yelling at clouds here i can't believe schools are already back in session oh without without that is ridiculous but not all are and so there are some schools probably they go back next week so probably for some of these families it's a chance for their kids for one last summer hurrah i've seen a lot of adults a lot of adults for a sure. A lot of
2: working remote today from Grand Park. It That's looks right. like here with this crew again. First practice going to begin here coming up at 10 a.m. Friday and Saturday already sold out. Practice number two and three. Judging by this crowd, I'm going to venture to guess we're going to have a pretty packed stands today. If not sold out once 10 a.m. arrives, hoping to have Matt Gay Colts kicker join us here before the end of the show. Stephen Holder as well. I think when we have Stephen, the dominant part of that conversation is going to be Jonathan Taylor related. Again, the news yesterday, Jake, it's kind of walked through people a little bit of the timeline from yesterday. We're rounded out the show yesterday and Ian Rappaport tweets out that Jonathan Taylor is not expected to report to training camp. Um, you know, Ian Rappaport, I don't think it's just saying that just to say it. So right. th- that kind of was interesting to me. Now, sure enough, later the Colts, you know, in, in about 15 minutes, uh, about after that that tweet, they mention or they tweet out a picture of Taylor. So he has reported. So I think the fine would have been 50,000 had he not reported. So obviously, there's plenty of incentives to show up. Uh, Chris Ballard then meets the media at noon. Says Taylor is here. He was supposed to talk with him later in the day. Um, he was unsure if. Um, some guys uh, had yet to pass their physical, but he did not mention Taylor as one of the guys that would be on the physically unable to perform list just yet. So every player has to clear a physical in order to practice, correct? Uh, correct. Or when they report,
3: when yeah, they report. so Shaquille
2: yeah. Leonard has passed a physical. Um, Jonathan Taylor, by all accounts, I guess it's not. And this comes on the heels of, of course, Jim Ursay two weeks ago, saying that Jonathan Taylor was healed up, to use a phrase, from Ursae. Um then, at about 5 o'clock, you get the announcement that Jonathan Taylor is on the pup list, which is not something we have that our Ballard... First, we have our first kid wearing a helmet, by the way. And we have our first Aiden Hutchinson jersey from Michigan. <laughs> uh-huh. The kid in the helmet looks like he could get a yard on the yeah. one. Yeah. This ain't um,
4: Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl.
2: <laughs> so you have Taylor going on the pup list, and all of a sudden people are like, well, wait, 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 You know what is this? Uh, We have not heard from Taylor. We'll see if he talks to media today. The only sign of him yesterday, Jake, from a public comment standpoint, he liked one tweet yesterday. The one tweet was uh, some fan responding to the picture of him tweeted out by the Colts of him walking into camp saying, Taylor's face looks like the Marshawn Lynch meme of I'm just here so I don't get fined. There you is know, some smoke here. There, I, there is a little bit more to this story that we need to let dive me, into.
3: Let me read you two things that were sent to me, Kevin, and you give me your reaction to both, okay?
2: By the way, Matt Gay, kicker, supposed to join us here in a few minutes.
3: The first thing that somebody sent was, uh, is there any chance that the Colts are doing uh, – I'm, I'm paraphrasing here because – okay. This from Daniel. Is there any chance the pup list could be a favor of goodwill to Taylor? The Colts say, hey, we know you're going to hold out, but we but uh, we want to get something done. So go on the list since you had surgery out of good faith so that you get paid while we work this out as opposed to holding out. Any chance of that? I, I, that doesn't really add up to me. I, I, I don't disagree with you. I just, you know what I mean? I wanted to throw out whether or not that was... I think there might be a little bit of chess gamesmanship in all of it, though. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you, or read you, was uh, yesterday after we had on DeForest Buckner and you asked about the Beer Olympics with George Kittle. Disappointed that you guys took the high road on DeForest Buckner Beer Olympics. You should have challenged him on it, sending the wrong message to young teammates. Hope he doesn't come out bloated and slow-looking slow tomorrow, meaning today.
2: <laughs> Who was that
3: from? Uh, that's from... Uh, Boiler Bill. Boiler Bill.
2: Doesn't so want to see beer pong in the offseason? Boiler
3: Bill apparently has never taken a vacation, right? <laughs> I mean, at first off, that was like three weeks ago. It's uh, the offseason.
2: Uh, of uh, guys that I'm worried about, their physical
4: shape, I would put DeForest Buckner probably last correct. on that list. I would agree with that. Kev, he was sitting next to you yesterday, and I thought you he, he could like sit on his knee like he was Santa Claus. Like It was that much of a size difference. He yeah. also...
3: He also has appeared in 50 of the 52 games in which he's eligible as an Indianapolis Colt.
4: Yeah, durability and
2: availability, not something I worry about with yeah. DeForest Buckner. Uh Matt Gay, kicker of the Colts, walking up right now. He's just got a few minutes with us. He's got to do some pre-practice kicking coming up here in a few. So he's going to join us uh, here in about, uh, what, 36 seconds? He's, he, for, as a kicker, as kickers go, he's a big dude, right? Let's just say this. He doesn't look like Hot Rod. Yeah, he looks like. Hot lying. Rod could get, could get lost in the, in the mix here. Those cleats don't look comfortable, though. Matt, thanks for joining us, no, man. No, 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 all good. Yeah, hop on right here.
3: Now, now those, now kicking cleats. Do you have to wear those too small? Like, or the, the, like.
5: The so some people. Some people say like they like to squeeze into the smallest right. cleat possible. I am not a believer. I was going to say that would be <laughs> terribly uncomfortable, right? Uh, yeah, I like. I'd rather just be comfortable. Like some people like their feet are cramping and hurting, but they like it. And I'm no thanks, like, right? For me, it just comfortable.
2: Matt, I know we only have you for a few minutes. Let's go back to 2020. You were here on the practice squad for how many weeks? Uh, like eight? Were you actually here? Because I remember that sometimes yeah. the practice squad during the COVID year, they kind of just like, hey, if we need you, yeah. stay home. So you were here. I was here. I was in India, yep. And all of a sudden, you sign here in the spring, and I'm reading your quotes, and you're like, this is a place we want to raise our family. Yeah. Like, we loved it here. What in eight weeks during a COVID year made you think this is where you want to be here to raise now three kids? Yeah. I believe you got walking of the away,
5: yep. Uh, It was just a great, like, I think the Midwest overall, I think, is just like – an awesome place. I think people are great. People are nice. It's not super busy. So for family, I mean, you can just kind of raise your family and nice neighborhoods, nice people. And the organization itself was just amazing when I was here. I mean, when I left Tampa, I think I was I was probably in a rough space mentally, just kind of things I went through to go there. And then to come here, I just felt like almost free. Like they just kind of let me be me and let me mm-hmm. kick kind of how I wanted to kick and kind of get back to my roots and just kind of be free-minded and just kick free. And that eight weeks for me is probably one of the most important for my entire career because I think that just like, allowed me to reset, get back mentally. And they were super great about, you know, just letting me be me. And and it was great for me to also come here and kick on practice squad without like, needing to play that week. Sure. I could kind of just decompress and kick and some work on some things and figure some things out. And so that eight weeks was crucial for me to kind of figure it out. You could loosen
3: well. your shoes a little bit.
5: Loosen my shoes a little bit, yeah. Hey, let me ask
3: you this, Matt. A- and I know that we're in a shortened time frame, so I hate to go, like, heavy right off the bat. Perfect. But you tell me if this is – and I don't know if – sometimes you don't know everything you read. Mm-hmm. But – um I had read that you had, as part of your faith, being from Utah, that you had gone on a mission trip. Yes, sir. Which is part of the obviously your religion, mm-hmm. Mormon, right? Yep. Mormon, Mormon religion. They have a beautiful temple, right? Uh, t- is temple the right word? Yep. Temple. I'm sorry. They have a beautiful temple right in the area, but but the, during that time, your mission trip was cut short because of just mentally where your focus was. Yeah. Is that that is a fair statement? I'd say that's probably fair. Okay. Yeah. So, and so you you know you work through that. Kicking is such a mental game. So if you're somebody who had an, a, a time period where you went through some tough times, you went through some, some mental challenges or emotional challenges, a mm-hmm. better, better way of saying it, did that assist you and help you in your career because kicking
5: has to be so mentally focused and now you have waded through those waters? I think so. I think you just learn, like, I mean, problems are problems, right? And if you learn to solve problems, you learn to work through problems, work, work through emotions in any facet of life that can carry into other aspects, into business, into relationships, into marriage, into raising kids. And so for me, going through that whole process, I was able to, like, understand, okay, this is how my brain works. This is how my mind works. Be able to break down and work through problems and get back to square run and just also just, like, I think in those moments it's important just to keep going, keep moving. I think a lot of people shut down and just, like... Was uh, that hard I'm for you
3: this. to to learn that? For
5: sure, yeah. I think you go through some times where... You're rough mentally, or you're you're not where you want to be, and um, but the whole the whole quote like if you're going through hell, why would you stop? Like why are you just gonna stop in hell? Like you gotta keep moving. If you're going right. through hell, keep moving. So, in those moments, you just gotta keep moving forward, keep going, keep showing up, keep grinding, um, uh, keep you know giving yourself the best opportunity to to get better and to, to grow. And so that's what I just kept doing. So
3: is this being in Indianapolis and being a cult now and getting that contract? Yeah. Is it in fact? a rebirth for you? I mean, a relaunch of, or, or you know, in, in other words, can you look at it and say, cause you should be able to look at it and go, I'm proud of myself to be able to, to go through that
5: hell mm-hmm. and end up here. That's a long route, man. For sure. So, I mean, you, I think you look back to some of the hardships, some of the trials and stuff, but I think every person that's been successful, every person that's, that's done something good or something they're proud of went through some tough times or went through some hardships um, and battled through those to then, Get on the other end, and so for me, it's it's a good moment to look at and be like, I've earned this. I worked through some of this stuff, and I, I've you know been through the challenges, I've been lows, and now I'm up here. But being able to stay steady, I'm uh, not staying too high, so you get that contract, but you got to go earn the next one. So it's back to work. Matt, I know you got to go kick. So last one, um, you signed obviously a pretty
2: lu- lucrative deal. You know, I, I think when the signing happened, oftentimes mentioned with the signing, it's like, oh, highest paid kicker this, you know, biggest signing this. You've kicked in a Super Bowl, but do you feel pressure having to live up to all of a sudden a contract that? I mean, you're a fifth round pick. That's high for for, yeah. for a kicker. Yeah. So I know you felt pressure at different points of your career. But like, what is this feeling now, where a team has rewarded you in a very significant manner? And I think yeah. a lot of fans were a little surprised by it. Like, whoa, sure. what was kicker that big of a need?
5: Yeah. Uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, I think there's there's always pressure with the kicker position. I think there's there's moments and there's hype or whatever you have to say it. But I think. Just looking at it at a different mindset, like, just I got my deal for what I did and the success I've had, and now it's time to go earn the next one. And so not putting the pressure on, like, I got to be this perfect. I got to be this lucre, this big deal kicker or whatever. Just, like, if I just be me and show up every day what I've been doing, continue to put the work in, continue to do what I've been doing, and continue chasing, like, continue, like, Hey, he's never in the barn. You know, you never made it. So just continue chasing, continue. I got, I got more goals. I got more dreams, and I got bigger things to, to accomplish. And so keep my head down and keep grinding and keep showing up every single day. And I think the rest will take care of itself.
3: What's the longest kick you've ever hit in practice? Uh,
5: just even if it's um,
3: with your buddies in high school, whatever it might be.
5: I had a 75 with the Rams. Just I said like, 72. Just like messing around. Uh, <laughs> just messing around, yeah. Now is this yeah.
2: off a tee or is this literally off the ground?
5: Just snapping hold, snapping wow. hold, so. But that's messing around. It's probably a little wind at the back. That's and you I don't know. have an entire line
3: coming at you. I mean, it, no, it obviously yeah, changes, just, right? Yeah,
5: it changes a little bit. The, the, the ball at flight, the angle changes and stuff so like that. You could drive it a little lower, but yeah. I know that's you got to go right. kick, but
2: I hear you're a great get- golfer.
5: I'm okay. I'm not saying I'm great, but I'm all right. I heard scratch. No, definitely no? not scratch. Okay. No. Right. I'm like a... Uh, my handicap says I'm like a seven right now, but I'm okay. probably more like a nine or ten. Okay, all
2: right. I well, thought it was some I
3: great thought it was up here in Hamilton County. I thought it was so a requirement career, if yeah. you grew up in Utah and you're a member of the Church of Latter Day Saints that you go to Brigham Young. Like, did you buck the trend? Oh no, that's not
5: a no. Well, I, I mean, I'm, am yeah. sa- not saying literally a requirement. I'm saying like you would think that that's you, you know think. What I mean? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of people do. A lot of people like. I never grew up a BYU fan, so I never grew up wanting to go to BYU or do anything. I, just, I grew up wanting to play soccer, and at the time they didn't have a college soccer program, and so I wasn't, I wasn't interested in football or any of that stuff growing up. So I was never a BYU fan at all, but. Utah Valley, baby. Utah, New Colts kicker, Utah. Matt
2: Utah Gay, getting ready for his first practice. Matt, thanks for the time, man. Thanks,
5: guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.
2: Matt Gay right there joining us here live at Grand Park. Again, specialists starting to get on the practice field. Thanks, Expert. Matt. Uh, and we got fans pouring in to Grand Park now as he is getting ready to take He's part. He's built in like again. McAfee. His, Very similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, McAfee, of course, has got the soccer, heavy soccer background yeah. as well. Uh, would you say strong lower body? Yeah. Would that be an accurate statement? You know, Vanderjatt once, I remember asking
3: Vanderjatt, I, you know, I was like, man, how many weights do you do for your quads and, you know, like your calves? And he's like, oh, hardly any. And I'm like, really? Like, don't you have to have super strong legs? And he said, no, nah, man, my, my entire kicking strength in terms of a field goal kicker comes from my hip flexor. From the spring that comes from my leg, not necessarily the muscle within my leg, which I found fascinating. It's probably different for every guy. I guess it depends on your style, but, you know. Man, 75 yards. You were all over that. I was off by three, but but close without going over. Is there any
2: altitude out there?
3: Yeah, I wondered that. Well, but he said he did that with the Rams, right? I thought he said messing out with his high school buddies. Okay, then yes. I would say yes. That probably is. Assisted
2: again, Matt Gay missed just two field goals each of the last two years. Have you been to Utah last year? 51 and 61. His misses. I have not, no. Beautiful
3: Utah is beautiful, man.
2: Yeah, I've heard great things. My uh, mom's one of my mom's college roommates lives out there and she's visited her. And yeah, uh, sounds glorious. Gorgeous state for sure.
3: Northern and southern, totally different. But southern Utah looks like the moon, and northern Utah is. Fabulous, gorgeous, and then a big lake that stinks.
2: Mark, thinking out loud here, let's do Pop Quiz before Holder. Does that sound good? Yes, let's do that. Okay, so pop quiz will come up here on the other side. We're gonna do the morning check down. Can here you please answer that in your Dutch accent?
4: Yes, do a pop quiz next. Yes.
2: 317. <laughs> Again, Borat and Bernard Ryman having a kid. That is Mark Knighton <laughs> D- 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 on this Wednesday Four morning. I guess. Tickets,
4: l- get some milk, get get some ice cream. Uh, let's just time. lead
2: off the morning check down with the reason why we're Mark is talking in a Dutch accent today. The morning check down.
3: Oh my! on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The reason Mark is talking in that accent is because the United States and Netherlands in the Women's World Cup, that game or match, I should say, gets underway at exactly what time Kevin? Uh, 9pm. Oh, they just asked, by the way, Mark just asked if we could move the camera to show Matt Gay on the stream. Yeah, I didn't think about that. My apologies, folks.
2: Uh, That's why I got out of my seat halfway through the interview. Kevin on air
4: host slash engineer. Sorry. Did I go down?
2: No, all good. Oh, okay. um, at any rate, what time again? Nine tonight? o'clock. Nine o'clock. I think their next game's like a three a.m. or so. This will be the last time you get a lot to watch them in the group stage again. Should advance out of their group, but this is an important one if you want to win your group. So, um, nine o'clock first, or I guess should say the second match for the U.S. Women's National Team. Major League Baseball
3: yesterday. Reds winners over the Brewers. That's good news Don't because look now, they but here only,
2: come the Red Legs.
3: What are they, two and nine against them? Uh three and nine now. Come on now. You can't be selling them short. Sorry about that. That would be 25%. 75% going to go into the Brewers. Big one uh, tonight uh, in that matchup in what clearly now is the class of the National League Central. By the way, the cute fella Baltimore Orioles did win last night. Mark, I didn't see what your diamondbacks did. Did you happen oh, to notice? They, they
4: beat the Cardinals, the Lowly I Cardinals. That, yeah. that was a nice double win for me. Cardinals lose my diamondbacks. Win And How about the, Cubs the Cardinals, won. man.
2: No, you didn't ask me about my A's. How about your Oakland Athletics? Um, I saw that Mike Jastrzembski hit a two-run double to beat them two to one. And let's in the just re- re-
4: let's just reverse here, Kevin. Uh, Jake, you said your Orioles won. They actually lost four to three to the Phillies. So nice I'll try. Sorry, oh, sorry, oh, nice try. sorry. I got that wrong. I'm lying so to our to the, audience. Uh-huh. No, no, no. no. I'm so
3: used to the Orioles winning. Mm-hmm.
4: No, that's the why Reds was so good for me because Orioles that's lost. What I was thinking Diamondbacks won. The Cardinals lost. The Cubs won. It's a good baseball day for Mark Dykton.
2: Uh, Fever lost a heartbreaker last night out in L.A. Colts camp begins at 10. Stephen Holder going to join us in 10. On the other side, though, let's get to the pop quiz. Four-pack of tickets to the State Fair, which opens up on Friday, 239 at 1070. Give us a call. Uh, We need to probably
3: get through this fairly quick because question number one is a novel.
2: Stephen Holder going to join us <laughs> in person on top of normal pop quiz shenanigans from Scotty J.
4: Mark, phone lines I assume are crowded. Completely packed because we've got a four-pack of tickets to the Indiana State Fair to give away. Kev, love it, love it, love it. Um, all right, Jacob, number one
2: through eight. By the way, we're going to be at the Indiana State Fair on Friday, right? Yes,
3: Friday Indiana will be dairy out there. Bar. The debut. Uh, number one through eight. Anthony Richardson again. I'll go with because I've seen a lot of jerseys for number five.
2: Number five is Ryan. Ryan, what's up, man?
0: Hey, how are you guys doing?
2: Ryan, congrats on the state fair four pack. What is your must-viewing experience at the state fair?
4: Oh gosh, any anything my kids want to do. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, I am I am there for the food. Okay, favorite food item? Ooh, anything deep fried? Uh, it can be. I mean, it's it surprises me every year. But I mean, uh, deep fried Oreos have been my favorite. Have you had the Twinkie? I have not had a Twinkie. It's just like an Eau Claire, right? It it sounds good.
2: Yeah. Deep deep fried Oreo sounds good. Ryan,
3: how old a fella are you? You said you got kids. How old are you? I am 45. 45 45-year-old Ryan. I'm guessing that puts you in the graduating class in high school around 96, somewhere in there. Is that right?
4: 97, yep. You're right there.
3: Okay. And what high school was that?
4: Uh, It was in New Jersey. So probably it's uh, High Point in Wantage, New Jersey.
3: Okay. Well, we'll speak slowly. Uh, would you like for me or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one?
4: Let's go for you, since you just insulted me. That's good.
3: <laughs> Sorry. Is that by the way? Is that uh, New York level or side of Jersey or Philly side of Jersey? It is the Philly side of Jersey. Gotcha. Okay. It is. A, I will say. Uh, I like Philly. Good city. All right. Here we go. Question number one. The Chargers and Justin Herbert have agreed to a five-year, $262.5 million extension. His 14,089 passing yards are the most through a player's first three seasons in NFL history. His 94 passing touchdowns are the second most over a player's first three years. Who threw more touchdown passes than Herbert over the first three seasons in the NFL? Fran Tarkenton, Patrick Mahomes, John Elway, or Dan Marino?
5: Let's go for a Mahomes.
4: Just
2: saw a handshake between Rick Venturi and Good Jimmy. I don't think there's anything that'll make my day better than that. <laughs> that's that's right. Rick Venturi and Good Jimmy catching up over here. He said Mahomes. Are you sure about that, Ryan? Uh, I'm not sure about it,
5: but that's what I'm The guy was wearing isotoner
3: gloves, which is what made it most impressive.
5: Oh, that has to be Merino then. <laughs>
2: I know two here, Brian. There are two Kevin's teams in Major League Baseball currently have a winning percentage over 600. Name one of the two teams currently over 600, winning percentage wise
5: Atlanta
4: Braves. Oh.
3: And the other one, of course. Okay, here we go. Question number three Former Notre Dame quarterback and 1947 Heisman Trophy winner, Johnny Lujak. Passed away at the age of 98, he was the oldest living Heisman winner at the time of his passing. Who now takes over as the oldest living Heisman Trophy winner? Roger Staubach, John Huarte, Pete Dwa- Pete Dawkins, or Mike Garrett?
5: Oh God! Oh, sorry, John. Um,
3: John, sorry, it's John Hewart. I, 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 John Hewart is the the way you pronounce it. I'm saying.
5: Okay, say those one more time.
3: Uh, Roger Staubach, John Hewitt, which is not correct, which is why I mispronounced it. Pete Dawkins or Mike Garrett?
4: Uh, Let's go for...
5: Gosh, I have no clue on that one. Let's go for Mike Garrett.
2: Okay. All right, here number four. 45 years ago today, Cincinnati Reds Hall of Famer Johnny Bench hit his 300th career home run eight years to the day before on July 26, 1970 bench hit three of those homers off a future Hall of Famer. Did he hit them off of Steve Carlton, Gaylord Perry, Don Sutton, or Juan Marichal?
4: (laughs) Marichal. Let's go for uh, Don Sutton on that one. Okay, last one
3: for you. Hall of Fame pitcher, Hoyt Wilhelm. Today's his 101st birthday. He's not around for it. He was an eight-time All-Star. He threw a no-hitter and won a World Series with the 54 Giants. He also, by the way, is one of only two Hall of Famers to hit a home run in his first ever Major League at-bat. Incidentally, that was the only home run of his career. Name the only other Hall of Famer to hit a home run in his first Major League at-bat. Is it Bill Terry, Earl Averill, Mel Ott, or Charlie Geringer? Let's go for Mel Ott good guess Just
2: some outrageous questions yeah. today.
3: I, it, I i don't know if it's avril or avril but that's the correct answer so
2: i enjoyed avril levine for you yeah that's probably what yeah, i was, I was thinking of there yeah you yeah, know? yeah yeah Whoa! uh well okay mark mark has spoken there in studio uh, stay on the line, Ryan. Uh, Jake, unless I'm missing something, I guess some big hints on one. He got number two. Was that yeah! it? Dan Marino was
3: correct. Braves was correct along with the cute fellow Baltimore Orioles. Correct. Pete Dawkins, the 1958 Heisman winner out of Army, who is 85 years old, is now the l- oldest living Heisman winner. Steve Carlton was the answer for question number four and Avril Levine for question number <laughs> five. You blew it! There you go to come back tomorrow uh, you don't so even get a lousy copy of our home steven game steven holder going to join us Yo. next, is that right Kevin? yes Please. and
2: this continues the theme of the day of how crowded the first practice is steven holder stuck in traffic really steven holder stuck in traffic is going Wait, to join us here on the other side mark i want to make sure i have this right and maybe i missed one of your
4: texts we we, we do need a break is that correct uh, I mean, we have two more breaks. We, we can break here, yeah, if we're going to get to yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Stephen Holder. On Let's the break side, here. Yeah. Stephen Holder going to join us again. Stephen has been very political. I love in.
3: live radio producing on the
2: air. <laughs> on the Jonathan Taylor Ship front. the Marconi to Monument here. Circle. Uh, and so he's going to join us here live at Grand Park. Players on the field, fans are pouring into Grand Park. Easily the most crowded first practice day I have seen in my dozen years covering Colts training camps. We'll be back with Stephen Holder on the other side. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.
1: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskeli Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskeli is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskeli Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskeli is right for you. Possibly
3: for the game. By the way, one house cleaning item. Uh, Just heard the promotion there, or the ad, if you will, for the upcoming NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader that's going to take place the weekend of August 11th out at the Speedway. So two weeks from this week, or, you know, two weeks, yeah, two weeks from this weekend. Um, I am still, for the next couple of days, going to have up the auction. You can go to my Twitter account. It is the pinned tweet. I am auctioning off my spotter position. So this is somebody that would be over the age of 18 that can pass a background check and is not afraid of heights. I don't know whether I'm going to be in the turn two of the oval perch or turn one of the oval perch. But either way, whoever, uh, if you were to do so, is the winner of the online auction. You will get a credential for the weekend that includes garage access, includes pit access, and... Uh, come up with me up into the media center for a pre-race show meeting, uh, basically as much or as little as you want to hang out, and then go up with me into the turns, and just kind of get, you know, you'll get a scanner and the whole deal to be able to listen to the radio broadcast and watch the race itself, and the again, on Twitter, on my twin uh, a pinned tweet is where you will see the online auction, all of the proceeds going towards the... Um, cardiovascular unit at the heart unit at riley children's hospital
2: i love that so what a cool experience and obviously an awesome cause so and
3: i'm very thankful for the people that reached out to me to ask me uh, to do that i did not put this together someone else asked me if i had anything to donate and i said great let's do it let's do it let's do it so that's where we stand right now would love to have somebody uh join me Stephen holder going to join us set to join us if he gets out of traffic here um Got a guy with a sign, make the Colts great again. Make there we the go. Make the Colts
2: great again. That's, Let's go. Wonder who he voted for. That's been. <laughs> Should we have him on? let even call him to- Tony Katz. <laughs> Tony Katz still going on at
3: 9.30? <laughs> okay. So, By the way, somebody just sent me a
2: thing. Thank you guys for not talking politics on your
3: show. Oh, well, let's just throw that Thanks. out the window. What, what the hell? Steven are
2: going to join us here in a couple. Jake, things that I'll be watching for at 10 a.m. Um, well, I guess post-practice. Do we hear from Jonathan Taylor? That will right. be a dominant topic with Steven here in a few. Uh, certainly the quarterback reps. Uh, I am eager to see Juju Brentz, the first practice for the Warren Central native. Dealt with a wrist injury during training. Era, during the spring period, so we did not see him at all during the spring. Uh, and then lastly, and I say this because it's just the most recent time we watched the Colts, Gardner Minshew, Anthony Richardson in the passing offense, they were horrific to end minicamp. Now, a lot of personnel around them was missing. Horrific Michael, seems harsh. I, I, I thought it merited that. I think combined, I think the two quarterbacks were four for 15 in a practice setting.
3: I have a question for Stephen Holder who is just about to sit down that has nothing to do with Anthony Richardson or the Colts. Would you like to begin with your football question and then I'll ask him my totally non-football question?
2: Now, let's just get you out of the way. <laughs>
6: Stephen, I would like to know how Hamilton was in Broadway. Ah. It was actually phenomenal. I I was not like really up to speed on Hamilton for whatever reason I'd never like, you know, listened to the songs or watched it in other in another forum and uh yeah so i had i went in with like no expectations or anything i just went because it's like oh, i'm in new york it's playing you gotta go and i was kind of like man i'm glad I but you know obviously the impetus for that was was you right so we had this conversation before i probably would not have considered it had we not had that previous conversation so no very well money very well spent and uh no regrets Did i find it hard to follow What's that? Do you find it hard yeah. to follow? Like, so I, I, yeah, there's there's some truth to that. Like, like this, like I wasn't clear sometimes. Like, okay, is this is this story? Is this part of the story true, or is or is this like some like tangent? Or right. a, so there was some moments of that, and so I did a lot of googling after the show <laughs> to make sure that.
3: Well, I, I thought decided, right? some of the storyline to me was kind of hard to follow because um, it, it seemed like. Like when they're singing the story, when they're singing the plot to you, yeah, it's hard. It's hard yes. to understand sometimes what that they're saying, true. and you're like, wait, a minute, I need to follow along with what the lyrics are here. But uh, the one thing that I thought was the most impressive about it was the fact that the different characters, the the speech, or, or excuse me, the music that they that they sing, the the I don't know what word, the style of music that they're singing yeah. is based upon where that character had most historically speaking most recently been the states or france or whatever so yeah uh, it was it was was cool but it
6: was it had it's like it had a lot of genius in it though when you know when you take a step back and you kind of digest it all yeah for sure um in terms of this
3: camp and the 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 play that's unfolding before us what is the biggest storyline is it shaquille leonard is it jonathan taylor or is it the question mark of anthony richardson
6: those other things are big stories and they not matter a lot but but those matter more to the outcome of this season and frankly i don't care what the outcome of this season is <laughs> i think this season is about the quarterback if if they get through this season and we know that the Colts, we know for the colts that anthony richardson is likely the guy you know, whether he is 100%, that's sometimes hard to tell after a rookie season. That's fine. But if we feel pretty good about Anthony Richardson moving forward, and, we, and they feel like that was a, a draft pick well invested, then this was a success. Yeah. That's where I stand. I, I don't really think we need to overcomplicate this. And I'm, not to put any pressure on the kid, but there's a lot of pressure on you, kid. <laughs> I mean, he has, it has to work out. Because if it doesn't, then we all have to do all this over again, and I'm exhausted. Now, yeah. Does Chris Ballard get a chance to do that. it over again? Like,
3: is everything for Chris Ballard resting on Anthony Richardson?
6: Oh, yeah, I think so. Because he, he resisted the, the need to, to really aggressively go after this quarterback for so long. Granted, the Carson Wentz move was aggressive. It just was the wrong move. But, but I think there were other ways that maybe they could have considered. I'm not saying they had a, a ton of opportunities. But the bottom line is, it, it was a lot to survive what he has survived. Let's just put it that way. And so to, to expect that you could survive another round of, of quarterback, you know, another for, quarterback fiasco. No, I don't see how that's possible. Um, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't even mean that Chris Ballard wouldn't be a viable general manager somewhere else and, and couldn't have a, a very successful football team. I mean, you know, they've been dealt a pretty, you know, nasty hand. I get all that, but, but it's just a matter of turning the page. I mean, you turn the page with Frank Reich. Is, is Frank Reich a good coach? I, I think he probably is, but they've had to turn the page, right? And that's what it would be, I think, with with Chris Ballard at that point. At that point, you just you blow it all up.
2: You uh, brought up Hamilton in the play earlier. I guess to continue that analogy, Stephen Holder, by the way, joined us here live at Grand Park, Colts training camp. Practice begins in about 15 minutes. It's easily the biggest day one crowd, Stephen, that I've seen. Yeah, and, I couldn't
6: even and, get in here in parking lot.
2: Governor camp, yeah. I, w- when you said you were stuck in traffic, at first I laughed, and then I'm like, wait, I mean, look at the crowd. I, I, I shouldn't be that shocked by it. What type of player are we even f- seeing from Jonathan Taylor right now? I, I'm, I'm confused. I think there's smoke to potential fire. I'm confused because it's not Taylor's personality to do this. Um, I thought Chris Ballard's tone yesterday in regards to Taylor was sung a little differently than it usually is. Yep. I know there's a lot there. Uh, what do you make of it all?
6: I think, well, let's, let's start with Chris Ballard's tone. Because, you know, a lot of times we sit here in these press conferences and there, a lot of things get said, and we have to sometimes go back and, and digest it later. And that was, I think, the, the case for me yesterday. Um, I'm looking for the quote right now. I'm not finding it. But the point is, I felt like when he said, you know, we take care of our people, et cetera, he said the right things there. And they have. Quentin Nelson, Shaq Leonard, et cetera. However, he also followed that up by saying, you know, look, we'll deal with that when we have to deal with it. <laughs> talking about Jonathan Taylor. Well, they don't have to deal with it now. They don't have to.
2: Yeah, He can play out the final year of his rookie contract. Right. And th- yeah.
6: That's not the way he has characterized those things in the past, I have felt like. Now, he has never come out and, and said, we are going to extend this player or not going to extend this player. He, certainly, he's not been ever that definitive. But this was, I thought, and that was the only state. that was not the only statement, by the way, that, that led me to believe that. I, I thought the tone of those comments were, yeah, you know what, we love Jonathan, but but, Big butt. And so anyway, to your question about is there smoke here, look, the first thing Chris Ballard said uh, about football yesterday was, okay, hey, let's just get this out of the way. We've got a couple guys going on PUP. Here they are. Boom.
2: Yeah, Ta- Will Mallory, Taquan Lewis okay. at the time. This is noon, right. and then 5 o'clock rolls around and Taylor goes on the list.
6: Now, granted, it's totally plausible things could have changed in the interim. He did say, we're still clearing some guys through check-in and all that so so i i think there's room to give him some benefit of the doubt there that maybe uh, taylor had not gone through that process yet but i think when you take it all into context we have never ever heard jonathan taylor say a peep about anything ever in fact you and i have talked about this he gets up there at the podium and we just like i I go like you know start scrolling through instagram (laughs) Yeah, you know, I love the guy, but like he's—he's yeah, he's del- not
2: going to say anything that matters. No,
6: he's deliberately boring. Says nothing, and goes out of his way to say nothing. And this is the same guy who, for the past month, between his comments in person to us at the end of the off season, and and also what he has said on social media of late, this is the same guy now who is making very. Very aggressive comments about his situation and those of other running backs. That is a very much. That's very much a 180, 100 percent. And so I don't think that can be discounted. And 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 it's not the first time. I can't say what's happening here, but it would not be the first time that a player has taken this approach. That hey, you know what? Until this gets worked out, I'm I'm not practicing. Putting them on PUP is, is kind of convenient potentially, right? Do you think this is that? I don't know. I I, I think it's a fair question. I think
3: it's Can a fair you put question. a player on PUP without? In, in other words, is that is that totally franchise discretion, or is that does there have to be a medical right. backing
6: of that? So injured reserve is definitely a little more scrutinized. I don't think Pup is quite the same. Now, there's, there, they don't have to really make a, a big defense of this. I mean, he had surgery. I, right? Is it possible, Steven? Yes.
3: Is it possible? And I think unlikely, admittedly, but I'm just throwing this out for the sake of all bases. Is it possible the Colts... Started Jonathan Taylor after his off-season ankle surgery. It was an off-season or late-season surgery. Started him on the pup list to give themselves ammunition in negotiations of talking about
6: reliability of health of player. I think likely not, and, and the, so I, I don't know. But my my sense is no, because I just don't think that helps you as a team. I don't. I don't think in the grand scheme that's advantageous for you so what i'd say what i would also add though is that uh jonathan taylor his he and his camp and those around him had discussed all possibilities coming into this now i don't know what they where they landed you know he showed up clearly right so that was not not showing up was was not part of their calculation fifty thousand dollar fine right if he doesn't show up Uh, yeah potentially remember that's that's a discretion area too right the team can find you or not find you and and oftentimes they don't find their their best players if if the situation gets resolved but it is you're, you're definitely putting a lot on the line so anyway just to wrap it up uh he did consider all options and one of those things that at least was talked about was showing up and sitting so i'll just leave it at that It's very interesting. Stephen Holder is
2: with us here. Obviously ESPN.com, you saw him on SportsCenter over the weekend. That's how much the Jonathan Taylor story and obviously Anthony Richardson as well have reached kind of the national stage. I walked away from Chris Ballard yesterday, Stephen, and I thought to myself, that was the first time I've ever heard Ballard speak to Taylor's representation through us a little bit. And also, his tone in regards to Taylor was nowhere near his tone in regard to Michael Pittman. Yeah. I don't know if I'm overreading that. He's always loved Pittman, to be fair. I mean, he, he's always spoken very highly of Pittman. But if you just look purely off the production of the two players through their three years, Taylor is above Pittman. There's no debating that. But if you listen to Ballard yesterday, he sounded like a guy that is much more the admiration, the ad- however you want to call it, for Pittman mm-hmm. versus Taylor, to the point you made earlier. We like him a lot. You pay good players regardless of position, but it's a new coaching staff, but we're a four-win team, but we'll see it you know, play out when we need to get to that decision. It seemed like he just threw in a lot of caveats with Taylor, whereas Pittman it was just like, I love him.
6: Yeah. You, you know when you're trying to make a decision and you make, those, you make that pro and con column? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what he was doing, except it was like, two pros and like five cons right
2: it didn't say any cons for Pittman.
6: no it was very strange and i would also say that look you've got that's anthony richardson's agent Uh, right there made him a very rich man uh so i enjoyed a nice meal last (laughs) night in the westfield area (laughs) all right shout out to derek anyway so with 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 taylor i agree with you first of all look he has been I don't want to say more valuable because that's that's a, they're different positions and that's impossible to measure. But in terms of impact and, and and plays that won games for them, game-winning plays, I think it's Taylor. When you compare the two players, there's no question about it. And I agree with you. I think he really was Chris Ballard seemingly trying to make the case of why they're not going to do it. And I really thought the – the statement about having a new coaching staff was extremely he said that interesting. on three different
2: occasions yes.
6: in regards to Taylor. So what's the interpretation there, right? What what do we think? So are we saying you don't you're not sold on John to Taylor? Like is this coaching staff have to evaluate him? What the hell are we talking about?
2: Well, I don't know. <laughs> I said it's Jake earlier, okay, where was Shane Steichen's most recent stop? Philly. Yes. What happened with Miles Sanders this, this offseason? yeah I mean he he moved on yeah. I mean and they kind of had even
6: with Sanders they kind of had a isn't some of that approach.
3: based on how much they see they can run the ball with Anthony Richardson because I think part of that is because of what they were able to do with Jalen hurts right right
6: yeah and they go hand in hand it's a chicken and egg thing you know are are the Eagles a good rushing team because of Jalen hurts, or is Jalen hurts uh, you know a product of their their running scheme and and the running game that they run uh, you know they probably go hand in hand there's there's some truth to that here, I suppose, right? I mean, the Colts have, there's some history. You go back to Marlon Mack getting hurt in, what, 2018, and and the Colts sticking in, you know, any number of other backs. and Jonathan Williams, 100-yard rusher for a couple games. Right. Where is he now? Uh, He he ran for a couple 100-yard games, and they were, I think, uh, I think they were top three in the NFL in rushing that year, if not number one. So, yeah, there's there and, and Sirianni was here for that, so you know, so the, obviously his thought process, you know, being with Shane Steichen the last couple of years, so I, there's a lot there. I know, I'm, and I'm talking in circles. I understand that, but I do think there is a recognition in the NFL today that running game in large part, is part of scheme, is, is a product of scheme and, and also a product of having a good passing game, too. Let's be honest. If you have a good passing game, you're going to get some opportunities in the running game. So, But I also would, would counter that by saying I do think Jonathan Taylor is a cut above. I think he's special. I think the big playability for Jonathan Taylor is what sets a him apart home run for hitter, me. for sure. Yes,
3: exactly. Okay, which is more true? Yes, from a health standpoint, which is more true? Shaquille Leonard yesterday was really good news or Jonathan Taylor yesterday was really bad news?
6: Uh, <laughs> I do think, look, Jonathan Taylor's going to be on this football team and he's going to play it, in the end, right? This year at least. So I think the bigger the, the bigger news in the grand scheme, now I want Jonathan Taylor to get his money. I hope he does. Good player, good guy. But in the grand scheme, the bigger issue for this team or the bigger I guess, news for this team is if Shaq Leonard is, is truly close, that is a game changer. We haven't seen this guy at full strength. It's been like three years. And, and the last time he even played most of the games, he led the NFL in, in turnovers. So I, I really think if you go back to 2021, granted that season ended very poorly, but there are games that I think you can directly trace to his, him causing turnovers and then winning the football game. And they, they lost that last year. Their defense was fine. It was okay until they just kind of got tired at the end. But the one thing they did not do, nearly enough, was cause turnovers, particularly when the offense was turning it over at the rate that it was last year. So, I thought it
3: was best said yesterday to Forrest Buckner. I was telling Kevin. We asked him about Shaquille Leonard, and he's like, you know, he just has an it factor, which is yep. a, a really honest way of saying I don't know exactly how you how to quantify it but there is something about him that is a difference maker when
6: he's on the field he is he's just different and it's not something that you can kind of measure I think DeForest Buckner is right you know it's interesting to bring this full circle I was thinking about this on the drive over here you know we talk about positions of value and inside linebacker is not considered one of those at all in this day and age however the Colts paid Shaq Leonard, and and I don't really think, I think most people just kind of said, yeah, all right, it's a lot of money, but we get it, right? Even though he plays a quote-unquote non-premium position, and I think I put Taylor kind of in that category. I'm not saying give him $20 million a year. I mean, that's, that's crazy, right? But I'm just saying in terms of evaluating the two players, sometimes players can be judged outside of their positional value based on their contribution. I, I think I kind of put him there. But but Shaq, I think he transcends the position that he plays because that position is not considered one uh, to be a, a $20 million position. Now, if he's out there, though, I mean, he... I think it was he worth 20 million in 2021. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Again, Stephen Holder's with us. Colts practice
2: about to begin here at grand park. This is easily the biggest day one crowd. I mean, honestly, it's one of the bigger crowds I've seen period Yeah. for a training, training camp practice. Uh, You can hear Matt Taylor in the background as he is announcing things with Shaquille Leonard and company out there for practice. Uh, We'll end with this, Stephen. I'll give you an ABC or D, -er, And this is July 26th. Both. Taylor and Pittman are on this team in 2024. Neither are on this team. C is just Taylor. D is just Pittman.
6: Oof. I think, I think both end up here. Uh, you know, they're gonna have, they're gonna have a ton of cap space in next next spring. They're gonna have a ton of cap space. I mean, they always do. They do now, but uh, they're they're gonna have some guys coming out of contract. You know, so they're gonna be fine from a from a financial standpoint. And uh, frankly, uh, Jonathan Taylor, I think is going to probably learn if he has to play this deal out, he's probably going to learn that a running back on the open market isn't worth Correct. what it used to be. He got he's bad gonna, news yesterday, yeah, right? I mean, there's going to be more there's value here. more favorable here. situations elsewhere than there are here for him. Yeah. I, I think there's going to, this is a, a good marriage with the kind of quarterback they have and his skill set. Cap I, space, of course. Absolutely.
2: they've got. Yeah. Yeah, I would say my answer is also A, but it yesterday made me pause a little bit. Yesterday, I I'm like, I kind of walked out of there and I'm like, oh, Oh, my gosh, my head is spinning a little bit.
6: <laughs> Look, he, he, that was either posturing or negotiating. I don't know, but but there was there was a lot to chew on there. It was something. <laughs> Stephen
2: Holder, ESPN, a busy man. He's been all over this Taylor story. He will continue to be. Stephen, thank you. Uh, Colts practice starting here in a few minutes, Jake. People are we'll, pumped up, man. People are pumped up. We'll be back in studio tomorrow. No practice out of the state fair uh, coming up on Friday. Everybody have a great Wednesday. 107.5thefan.com is all your Colts training camp notes.